0: Welcome to the Sneaky Dragon Listening Party, with my dad and my sister Mary. Hey everyone! Welcome to Sneaky Dragon Listening Party. I'm Mary Dedrick.
1: And I'm David Dedrick.
0: Um, And we're doing something a little bit different today what yeah so we mentioned last time at the end of the week or wait at the, the end of the show
1: end of the bye week
0: the end of the bi- <laughs> yeah the end of the fortnight um after our game of fortnight we <laughs> I think we made the same dumb joke last week uh we mentioned that we had a surprise yeah and that surprise is that dad is doing coloring right now as you all know who everyone who listens to sneaky dragon knows that and everyone who listens to this show listens to sneaky dragon so everyone knows that <laughs> um so
1: i working on spurks second spurks book right now
0: yeah so you doing all the coloring for that so he's busy so we decided that we would do one of my playlists instead yeah because then i could do the research yeah because been... i'm not doing anything <laughs> okay so i have time to research yeah that's cool yeah
1: and it is, it is time consuming. It is. You don't realize it until you start it.
0: Yeah, and also my computer doesn't work right now. Oh, okay. Well, my computer works, but it doesn't. The Wi Fi at my house doesn't work on my computer for uh, some reason. Oh. It doesn't work on either of our computers. Oh. So, like, it works on our phone.
2: That's weird.
0: It works on the Fire Stick. It works on the PlayStation. Yeah, yeah. But it doesn't work on the computers. Huh. Whereas before, it was working on the. It was working on the phones and the computers, but not on the PlayStation or the Fire Stick. Yeah. And then it was only working on the phones. Mm. And now it's working on not on the computers. It's very odd. Yeah. So and like our one landlord is like an IT person. She works in IT. That's a disaster. So
1: That's the problem right there. Yeah. It's too much expertise.
0: Yeah, I think that that's kind of what it is. Because we're also set up on like a guest one.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's like if it was just like a it was just like a simple thing where you just it was everyone shared it or whatever. Yeah. Like, I don't know why people worry about that kind of stuff, especially with home internet. Like, you, most of the packages are like, they're so big that mm-hmm. it's really hard to, you know, use a lot of that much data.
0: Yeah. And like, you know, we're, we're, considerate tenants we're not going to be like yeah. illegally downloading stuff on their ip yeah you're you not know? russian
1: hackers like, Yeah, we no russian hackers exactly there's, there's not like, this huge amount of data being uh, sent to you know trying to break into in the nsa or something
0: yeah exactly like i just want to be able to like research stuff on my computer like look at web comics <laughs> yeah and like do the hover text thing so that i can see like the, the funny little joke that they put when you hover over the comic because huh. you can't see that on your phone yeah Cause you can't hover on a phone okay because it's a touch screen mm. how do you hover i don't know you can i don't even know they what they that don't... is you don't know how hover text is? No. When you, on what, some web webcomics, yeah. when you take your cursor and you put it over the picture, oh, okay. a little text box will pop up. Oh, and it's like a little hidden joke. Ah. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, it's fun.
1: That adds to the workload.
0: I don't think it does that I'm, much. I'm a
1: little, I'm, I'm sort of against it.
0: I don't think it does that much, but it's okay. It's usually just like a little thing. A lot of the time, I don't know. There's one webcomic that I like a lot, and a lot of the time the jokes are like references oh, okay. to things that like the writer hmm. an artist is like into okay like he's really into like he he did a web comic before the the one that i read and it was about people who worked in like a toy store because he's really into like collectibles okay like transformers collectibles and stuff all right and that features minorly in this comic in that there's characters in it who are fans of that stuff okay but a lot of the time he'll have those hover tech jokes be like haha some transformers joke and i'm like oh, i don't know i don't know anything about collectible toys right so but sometimes it's not sometimes it's that's because you're growing up yes <laughs> burn burn take that Collectible. david wallace
1: david Wallace.
0: i think that's his name no willis okay david also i don't know I think that's his name.
1: Us Davids are forgettable. That's no, true. All right, so you made a you made a uh a mixtape.
0: Yeah, so I made a a mix. Well, I made I kind of made a mixtape. I made okay. a playlist. I because see because I made it on my phone. Uh huh. Because it was the year twenty seventeen or twenty sixteen.
1: I remember that year.
0: Did I make it in twenty? No, I think I made it in twenty sixteen. Okay. And I made it on my phone while I was at work. Mm. Or I made it to be played at work. I see. Um was so this
1: like a, a folding laundry sort of a mix
0: sort of it was actually I I intended it to be a playlist that I would use while I was um setting up buildings okay to be used in rentals okay so I'd be running around the building and I'd be like making beds and like doing all this like checkup stuff and mm-hmm. then also at the end of the the guests staying there I'd be going around and collecting all the laundry and like cleaning mm-hmm. so um when I first started there I'd do those things really slow and then once i'd been there for a long time i could do them really fast yeah so i i intended this playlist to be something that i could a sing along to okay while working because yeah. most of the time i was alone in the building yeah something that i could a sing along to yeah b something else sort of
1: this let me interrupt you. Did, mm-hmm? you did you heartily like blast out the song like at the top of your lungs or did you like quietly sing along to it like a like a little mouse the first one you just would like let it let it loose.
0: Yes, absolutely. Wow. Because wow. I was in a building yeah. that was separated from any other building. Yeah. Most of the time when I was doing this, I would be in the buildings that were at the the far end. Yeah. Of the um, the resort that I was working at. Okay. So everyone else would be. Were these
1: like the cottages?
0: Yeah, it was like the cottage and the farmhouse. Okay. That's where we stayed for Christmas. Yeah. So it's like it's a you know it's like a couple minutes of a walk mm-hmm. to get from there to the rest of the. Sure the facility you're
1: pretty much by yourself there. you're pretty
0: much by yourself there um even when windows were open there wasn't really anyone else there right usually i would be doing this at the end of guests staying there Mm. so the guests would be gone staff would be elsewhere cleaning up i would be all alone in the building right it was great um
1: perfect for for jason voorhees to come
0: yes exactly
1: you're at a camp yep a summer camp
0: yes i am a bully (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <Well known. laughs> You're a bully.
1: Yep. Is it only bullies that get uh, killed by Jason I think Marty?
0: so, because isn't it like a no, I think revenge on...
1: I think it's more uh, a puritanical sexual punishment theme that those movies follow.
0: Oh, okay. I thought it was like... like
1: if characters get it on, then they're oh, doomed. Oh, no,
0: isn't it? Isn't it because... Spoilers for Friday the 13th. oh But isn't it his That's... mom is yeah. killing camp counselors because they're being bad camp counselors they're not paying attention to kids because her son right. drowned they're too, because
1: they're too busy getting it on
0: yeah because the camp counselors were too busy getting it on to yeah. i to uh to pay attention to her son who drowned in the lake
1: <laughs> i like you put that in quotes well <laughs> quote unquote getting it on
0: well i just wanted to uh <laughs> to express that i was using your terminology okay. not mine okay which would be banging, but okay.
1: <laughs> well, that's not right because you've also described <laughs> music as banging. You said playing some banging tunes. I mean. So I don't know. I don't. I think that term you're being too too broad now. I think
0: I've said banging ter- tone. What? Did yeah, you, say? you did. You described banging tunes. Yeah,
1: you said something like that. You said, "Is it going to be banging?" What's swing that I was.
0: Oh, a headbanger.
1: No. Well, maybe that's what you meant. Oh. I don't know. Anyway, I, I'm not going to go back with your old shows. Okay, so that's fine. Trying to figure fine. this out. I
0: don't remember any. It's a real anyway, mystery. So. Um, if
1: anyone would like to index Sneaky Dragon Listening Party and yes. all, all topics discussed, please yep. please be our guest.
0: Okay, so anyway. Sort of wiki. Yes. <laughs> yeah, that would be good. So anyway, back to um, my criteria for this playlist yes. slash mixtape. Mm-hmm. So um, things that I could sing along to. Yep. Things that were sort of like a pump. Pump up jams.
2: Okay. Right? Because yeah. I was
0: needing to like work and work fast and like get the stuff sure. done.
1: And be and not be depressed because you're, and not you're be having depressed. to wash floors and things.
0: Exactly. Yeah. Right? Like Clean you want the bathroom. Yeah. You want things that are kind of like energetic and that mm-hmm. can sort of like get you going and can make you forget that you are cleaning a toilet or like cleaning <laughs> someone's hair out of a shower, which I think is gross than cleaning toilets. It's cleaning other people's hair out of showers.
1: Don't I know it? I have two <sighs> girls.
0: <laughs> it's true. It's true. Anyway. <laughs> um, and then, oh, my other one was songs that were not... I mean, I don't know. I didn't want songs that had, like, swearing or anything, oh, right? okay. But, like, okay. I don't really listen to music that has much swearing in it anyway, yeah. so, like, that wasn't really a big deal.
1: But you wanted it um, PG-rated. Ra- PG yeah,
0: exactly. Just because, yeah. you know, if, uh, if someone else did come into the building, like, I always... I, al- I always didn't like it when I would come across staff who were blasting music and it was, like, very not PG. Because mm, mm. it's like, you know, come on. Like, sometimes there's other guests around yeah. still. Like, even because um, guests would have to leave in waves because of the water taxis, right? Sure. So, like, if I was in a building. And, like, there was times when I would be in a building cleaning up and someone would run and be like, Oh, I just have to use the bathroom before I go. Can you use the bathroom here? And I'd be like, yeah. And then they'd be in the bathroom for, there's this one guy. Okay, so we have two we have these two buildings on yeah. one side of camp. The one building had three bathrooms, the other one had one bathroom. Was, the other the uh, the one building with the three bathrooms had six bedrooms. The building with the one bathroom had two bedrooms and they both had a kitchen and a living room. Yeah. I was completely finished the big building. I was almost completely done. The little building, except for the bathroom, this guy came in and was like, can I use the bathroom? I'll be really fast. I was like, yeah, sure. Go for it. He was in there for 40 minutes. (laughs) I was waiting for him for so long. I was like sitting on the couch, like, dude, like I need to finish this building. Like, I don't know when you're going to be gone, but like, I need to, I need to be able to sign off on this building. Please leave. And he was just like in there for the longest time. You're going to miss your boat.
1: Well, I guess the answer to that is think how he felt
0: it's true it's a good point yeah i was like man i wish that i'd been slower cleaning that other building so that i could have something to do now instead of just waiting around for this guy
1: and i just want to let listeners know who maybe aren't from north america that uh, pg stands for parrots guidance that's music or movies that your parrot advises you to see
0: okay you're being ridiculous dad come on parrots yeah parrots love swearing (laughs) that's true
1: (laughs) parrots guiding only music that involves swearing are Pieces of Eight. Or what? Pieces of Eight. It's like money for pirates, you know?
0: Oh, okay. <laughs> Parrots I'm un- sad that you don't parrot- know what Pieces of Eight are. I don't. Parrot- Parrots' guidance would be just songs about crackers. <laughs>
1: they would like the Jean Clark song, Polly.
0: <laughs> be like, yeah, she does want a There's cracker.
1: also a kink song called Polly. Is there? Yeah.
0: It's a common name, I guess
1: common old name old-fashioned name
0: yeah um all right so anyway so this playlist slash mixtape
1: pretty oh anyway go on.
0: was made with those things in mind i did look at it and sort of for this and sort of round it out a little bit i added a couple songs to bring it up to an appropriate number of songs i think it was at 18 so i did like three more to bring it up to 21 okay um, just because I felt like 18 wasn't quite enough. I think it was sitting at about 45 minutes okay. at 18 songs and that felt a little short. Mm. Well That's a, you know? a
1: record length. Okay. Which isn't um, bad.
0: But then I also...
1: But it is kind of short for mixtape, yeah,
0: yeah. Yeah. I mean, most of the ones that we have on here are 22 songs. That's, and, that's usually and the always average.
1: as close to an hour and 20 as I can get.
0: Okay. Yeah. Yeah. My problem with this though, was that when I was trying to burn it onto the CD... It was not... It was telling me it was too long.
1: Hmm. It does sometimes.
0: um, But that might have also been because I had to steal some tracks from the internet. Or not steal them, but I had to use, like, YouTube to MP3. Oh, okay. Because there was a couple songs that I have on my iTunes that you don't have on yours. Hmm. So it's possible that those files were larger than other ones or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, so this album is... um, Also, it doesn't have dad's usual... uh, like this is the end of side one. This is the beginning of side two because I wasn't really thinking about it that way. Yeah. Just because that's not the way that I make mixtapes. Hmm. Um, and then also because we were not making these tapes in con- or these uh, lists in conjunction with each other, mm. I have some song. I think I have one song on here that is a repeat of a song we've had already. Yeah. And then we have some songs on here that we may have later.
1: I think. Oh, I think for sure there's at least one.
0: Okay. Just because you know. I was not making my playlist in consultation with dad, being like, hey, we might do a podcast in three years, so when I make this playlist, what songs should I not put on here that you've already put on your playlist? Because also that would limit me a lot, because dad put a lot of songs on the playlist. That's true. Or on his mixtapes. I did. Because he made a lot of them. That's very true.
1: So... Yeah, no, it's fine. I mean, and the songs, you know, people can like them again or not like them again. Yep. Whatever.
0: Yep. So... Uh, yeah, so we're gonna go through this. We're gonna talk about these songs,
1: yes, and do this.
0: And I did all the research this time, very good, because of dad being so busy. (laughs) Thank you, dear. You're welcome. Also, I forgot about it, and so I started it yesterday. (laughs) I know, yeah,
1: (laughs) I got a note. How do you do the research?
0: Yeah, it's like I was, uh, because my first one was a band that we've talked about at length, yes, so I was like, easy. Yeah. And then my second band, I was like, uh, what, <laughs> d- what does Dad actually say? And that's when I realized I don't actually listen to anything Dad says. I just kind of say, mm-hmm, oh, okay, a lot. And then when we get to the next song, then I'm like, mm, here's the time for me to give my opinion. <laughs> that's not true. But, yeah, it's hard to it's hard to know what he looks for when he researches but then also dad has all this like knowledge about bands and stuff that he doesn't even need to do a lot of research on it because he just knows about them right Mm. so yeah
1: yeah i showed off earlier before i started recording by naming all the members of buffalo springfield it's true it's to be a show-off
0: just to be a (laughs) show-off yep although you did miss one
1: are you talking about jim messina yes but he was like he replaced bruce palmer for a while that's right
0: well yeah but he replaced him um well we'll 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 talk about it later.
1: Yeah, I guess it was a pretty significant amount of time he was in the band. Anyway.
0: Anyway, we'll talk about it when we get there.
1: I have some problems with Jim Messina. Oh, really? Yeah. Because he was in Loggins and Messina with Kenny Loggins. Okay. And I have a lot of problems with Kenny Loggins. Okay. So there's like, a, you know, he's besmirched by Loggins. Right. It's a problem. Okay. Loggins besmirchment.
2: Right.
0: All right. Well, well I guess- It's an actual
1: medical disorder. Is it? Yeah.
0: Oh. Are there many people who suffer from it, or is it just Jim Messina?
1: He has the worst.
0: Okay. <laughs>
1: he hyphenated his name.
2: With, oh, with Loggins? Loggins? Yeah. Oof,
0: yeah, that's pretty bad. Yeah, terrible, yeah. in fact. Okay.
2: Almost fatal.
0: Almost fatal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I'm sure. I'm sure it ruined his career. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Not really. <laughs> nope.
0: Because you know everyone hates Kenny Loggins. <laughs> they, were,
1: they 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 ruled the 70s. Yeah. Those yacht rockers.
0: <laughs> All
1: right, sweetie. So All what right. are we gonna start so, with?
0: So our first song is a band that we know well. Uh, it is Field Music. Mm-hmm. With the song She Can Do What She Wants From their 2007 album Tones of Town Very good album Let's hear this song
1: Almost almost a perfect album
0: Alright, let's hear this song Hopefully this is not the song on it That you think is imperfect But let's hear we'll the song We'll see So that was She Can Do What She Wants by Field Music. So that was their second album.
2: Yeah, that's and a great album. Have
0: we had an, a song from Tones of Town on yet?
1: Oh, uh, I don't... Okay. Have we
0: had Working to Work on one yet? No, I have,
1: didn't put on okay. Working to Work. Oh, I don't know. Really? It's really weird. Like, there's songs I love from this album. I you know, I did put on... Um, I did put on one song from it. Uh, I can't remember what it's called now off the top of my head, but uh, yeah, there is. We have done one song. It's like a short, like a little kind of short song on it, and it's really weird because, like I say, this is my, this is actually probably my favorite field music album. Their second album. We picked it up when we were in England in 2012. We were in Liverpool, I think. Yeah, Liverpool at the HMV in Liverpool, and it was ten pounds.
0: Was it a house is not a home? Nope. No.
1: I think I've done that one. Yeah, I have done that one, and I did. the other one, the, A Gap Has Appeared. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's just, you know, once you've used a couple of songs, like, the Gap Has Appeared is my favorite song. I can't, you know, like, I, I love this song. Um, I, You know, like, if I had, if I could, I would just put, like, almost every song of this album on someone's mixtape. There's <laughs> really kinks in this my, song. I don't, and I don't hate that song. It's just not, okay. like, not the song I love. So, right. almost every other song I, like, every other song I love, like, I could listen to it over and over again, which I did when we were driving around England. This was on permaplay in the car
0: yes i remember it
1: wasn't until we which was funny because i brought my phone with me with like with a huge amount of songs on it yeah and I was like we'll rent a car we'll to listen to my the <laughs> phone and we can have like music wherever we go and then we got in the car and i couldn't find where you plug the phone in oh until the last day <laughs> and i was looking for something in the the console between the seats and there was this the plug in there and i was like ah oh, how come i didn't see it before i even looked in here <laughs> blind person
0: yeah but you were blinded by your love of field music
1: well, I hadn't got that album yet, so because oh, okay. we picked it up, I think maybe a week into the trip when we went to Liverpool. Oh, okay, yeah. And then we just listened to it
0: Was that when we went to the HMV? Yep. Yep. I that
1: by the docks. Yep. And it's, then
0: it's good HM.
1: That yeah, was really good. I got a few albums there, and then uh, yeah, and then we just listened to. It. I think we went to hay on Y from there, or maybe we were coming from hay on Y. It feels no, we I feel like we were listening to this album while we were driving through Wales and stuff like that. So I don't know. I don't know either. It's, a, it's all a jumble now. Yeah. But anyway, but anyway what do you, what do you think s-
0: about this song specifically? Oh, I really
1: like this song. I, I think like, it's really good.
0: I like this song a lot. And yeah. I have said before that I don't love field music, mm-hmm. but I do love this song. Yeah. I think it's a very fantastic song. It's good to sing to. Mm-hmm. It's fun. Yeah. Uh, the lyrics are fun. Yeah. It's about someone who is trying to stop their lover from leaving. Yes. Um and uh, sort of saying all these things that they should have done to stop them from going. Mm. But of course, she can do what she wants. Yeah. But I also should have thrown myself across the door <laughs> and said, "Please don't go." Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
1: So what is it about? I've never actually paid much attention to the. Lyrics. Yeah.
0: Well, I mean, I don't really pay much attention to the lyrics either. Yeah. I just um, the yeah. more that I listen to a song, yeah. I just sort of get the lyrics in mm. my head, and then I can sing. That's fine. And then while singing, yeah. I start to piece together what they mean
1: that's really funny because see i'll sing along with songs i'll know the lyrics for them but they're absolutely make no 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 meaning to me for some reason
0: some of them i don't
1: remember them very well yeah
0: some of them i'm like that like fleet foxes Mm. i can never piece it together into any sort of cohesive idea but i think that's mainly because fleet foxes generally just are a lot of like sort of um images that are nice yeah rather than being some sort of like story or or narrative, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. right, Yeah. Yeah.
1: No, um, yeah, this song's very good. It's kind of, I always think of, well, because the, because Field Music were friends with Future Heads. Oh, yeah. And in fact, one of the Bruis brothers played drums in Future Heads for a while, when they before they got a permanent drummer. And so I feel like they influence each other. But whereas the Future Heads are very, very much married to that post-punk mm, yeah. sound of of a, of a certain style, Field Music are kind of more... All, all over the place. Like,
0: right, they're a lot looser. Yeah,
1: they're a lot looser, and they kind of they kind of sort of bury their, their influences in their music rather than mm. put them out there. Like, the first song on Tones of Town, when you hear it, you go, oh, this is a yes, this is a yes song, mm. but sung by someone who doesn't sound like like John Anderson.
2: Mm, right. So
1: it's, you know, so it's not, it doesn't have, like, this kind of piping, Fay like voice, but it still has, like, the construction of a yes song, only three minutes rather than a seven-minute long song. <laughs> and... Most of the songs on there are like that, but it doesn't. But if you played it for someone, they would immediately go, "Oh, this is a Yes song." It's just that if you listen to Yes or you like Yes a mm-hmm. lot, you're gonna say, "Oh, I'm noticing similarities in how right, the song goes." Right. And this song is like is like a po- post punk song mm-hmm. in its construction, but they do it in a way that strips away a lot of the the elements and just kind of keep it. Just uh, sort of make it slightly different. In fact, working to work is there is a song that sounds if you sped it up and had the feature heads do it, it would sound exactly like a feature head song. Mm, right. But field of music do it. Sorry, field music do it by by slowing it down.
0: Right. Yeah, they do their own thing. And they right? do
1: their own thing in it, so it still it has a sound to it, but it's a slowed down sound. It sort mm. of makes it makes it very interesting how they how, what they do, and they're so they're so um, melodic in their music that they can they can take you know the song will have several different elements to it. Instead of just one kind of, you know, one melody that runs through the whole song, they'll kind of switch it up a little bit through the, the song Mm -hmm. as well. So yeah, they're always very interesting. As you know, I'm a fan.
0: Yes, we know that. But yeah, so we, I mean, we've talked about this band a lot, Mm -hmm. so I don't. I don't think that we need to talk about them more. Okay. I did want to. I just like to enthuse over songs. I know. I know. And I wanted to, yeah, give you a space to talk about how great she can do what she wants is because it is (laughs) a very fantastic song. It's really good. But I think we should move on. Oh, sure. To song number two. Okay. Which is called We Come in Peace. Mm. And it's by Bobby Kahn and the Glass Gypsies Yes. from his 2004 album, The Homeland. Okay. So let's hear this song. (coughs) was we come in peace by bobby Kahn and the glass gypsies
1: yeah well uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about them mary
0: i will so technically well this is actually the only of the albums that is attributed to bobby con and the glass gypsies okay so the glass gypsies was just his backing band yeah um and bobby Kahn, yeah all the all the rest of the albums are just are attributed to bobby con hmm. so i don't know why i don't know why this one was different yeah um, I couldn't really find anything about that. There's not, there's not a lot of information about. Does he normally? Does he
1: normally play with a with a with a same backing band?
0: Yep, same band. Oh, interesting. It's, this is the only one that they're named in. Mm. But yeah, like one of the.
1: Maybe they had more to do with the creation of the album than yeah, the other it's, ones.
0: It's possible. Yeah, I mean, one of the members of the band is his wife. Okay. Whose name is um? What's her name? It's like Julie something, but then she goes by Monica Boo Boo. <laughs> as like her.
1: Yes, her stage name.
0: Julie Palmerlow. Okay, but I mean, his real name is Jeffrey Stafford. Oh, I see. So they both have.
1: They both have their personas. Yes, exactly. Yeah,
0: and it—he is—he does seem like a bit of a character,
2: mm. just and from what, what I've what seen
0: about him. Well, he started off playing in a punk trio, okay, in high school, yeah, called the Broken Cockamamies or okay. the BKs. Sure. Um, and then he was in an avant-garde rock group. Um,
1: Sorry, a second. They're called the Broken Cockamamies.
0: Yes, it was a punk trio. But
1: it was BK? Because Cockamamie should be spelled C-O-C-K-A-M.
0: Yeah, but it's spelled K-O-C-K-A-M-A-M-I-E-S. Yes.
1: Oh, okay. So they got Yep. They got mi- mixed up there. But anyway, okay. I guess it's punk rock spelling. What, yeah. do, what do punks care about the spelling of Cockamamie? Yeah,
0: right? And I think he was in that when he was in high school. They're
1: going to be like, you and your Cockamamie ideas, old man.
0: Yeah, exactly. You and your Cockamamie ideas of how to spell things. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah. And then after that he was in an avant garde rock group called conducent. Okay. Um, that doesn't have a Wikipedia page and I don't think did much. But Con- he's in that for five years.
1: Conducent. Yes. What does that mean? I don't know. I can know what conducive means.
0: Yep. It's C O N D U C E N T. Don't know if it's a real word. Hmm. I don't know what's up with that. Okay. But then he did a bunch of solo albums. So this is his fifth solo album. I see. The four prior to that were very like Glam rock, punk, yeah. pop rock, progressive rock. Okay. There's a lot of, like, costumes and, like, big, like, you know, makeup and jewelry and sure. hairstyles sure. and um, a lot of, like, political stuff and satire. Mm. But I think a little bit less so than this album. Yeah. Which was... So it sounds like he's world.
1: more of, almost more of a performance artist than he yeah. is. A... Well, yeah, yeah he, he
0: definitely is because he also does performance art mm. it's like another thing that he does and him okay. and his wife live in vienna now ah. i think and they he works with like a japanese um director and does stuff with him mm. and like okay yeah they were also uh the first couple who were cast by cynthia Plastercaster. Oh, i see who is um, an artist, an American artist, and mm. self-described described recovering groupie who uh, <laughs> creates plaster casts of famous persons' erect penises. Yes, and then in two thousand, she added casting female artists' breasts. Hmm. So.
1: Um, and those are easier. You don't have to uh, stimulate them into a. Yeah. Into a multiple.
0: Moldable... Yes. So yeah, Khan and uh, and his his wife Monica Boo Boo, they were the first couple. So yeah, it seems like they are very um. Yeah, like that. And he he produced a bunch of like sort of fake press releases and made a lot of like purposefully, um what's the word? Purposefully like outrageous or like things to try to like rile people yeah, up. Okay. So saying things like, I'm the Antichrist mm. and um creating this idea that he developed something called the Continuous Cash Flow System, cash, where the S is a dollar sign. okay. While incarcerated in a federal facility in Maryland, serving out a sentence for mail fraud.
1: Huh. You know what, Mary? Yes. He sounds like a real con artist.
0: Huh. Yep. Sure does. Because of his name. (laughs) And then, yeah, he says here, in his solitude, he was struck by two things. Yeah. Firstly, that his illegal difficulties were due to his focus on earning rather than spending as much money as possible. Yeah. And more importantly, that he was likely to be the Antichrist. Ah. Bobby now knew that time was short, the coming Armageddon would, would, would destroy humanity at century's end. Yeah. So he had to reach people quickly. A natural performer and gifted musician in the popular tradition, he structured his continuous cash flow system. Bobby knows that creating a financial vacuum inside oneself is the best way to fill a spiritual void, (laughs) and he demonstrates this regularly by distributing thousands of dollars in the form of $20 bills to every audience member. But with his gift comes a desire, a desire to spend... And spend and spend yet more, creating a glorious debt that promises, if not salvation, a thrilling, high-paced lifestyle. And when the collective debt of our generation grows large enough, the entire pig system of oppression will be snuffed out like a candle in a hurricane. Hmm. But then he has since sort of admitted that that stuff was a ploy yeah. for attention right yeah, he sure. said creativity is lying my own story doesn't seem very interesting to me you don't want to be who you are on stage every day what's the point in that <laughs> um
1: i know he's friends with um robert dayton uh the, who's was a, is a is or was a local musician here was a member of Cantham and oh, okay. july 4th toilet uh and i think they yeah they come out of similar ideas of of music as a performance piece rather than as a as actual music which you know is an interesting idea but sometimes it's going to have problems like this song is very good but i have a feeling that a lot of his music is probably more s- challenging yes coming coming as it does from a you know as more of a, an idea of it as performance rather than as music itself
0: mm-hmm. yeah so i i am a big fan of this song mm-hmm. but based on reviews and things that i was reading about this album as a whole so the homeland came out in 2004 yeah um and it was very political yeah so from what i read his previous albums had been minorly political where there there's like little things in them about politics but then he talked about other stuff as well but it seemed like this one was pretty much entirely politics mm. it was yeah pretty much entirely sort of a reaction to bush and the iraq war and yeah. bush's reaction to 9-11 and just sort of like being very very negative about that mm-hmm. um yeah so yeah this this album was a bit different but again, not knowing any of that, yeah, I really liked this song.
1: Yeah, it's a very good song,
0: and I still like it. Mm-hmm. Even yeah, even knowing that the rest of this album isn't very good, or even knowing that like if I heard this song and then the rest of the album, I might like it a little bit less. Yeah, I still like this song quite a bit.
1: It's a rocking song.
0: It is. It's very fun, and um, hearing, oops, hearing the lyrics in a vacuum yeah. as I did, like not knowing sort of the context of the rest of his album, I assumed it was about colonialism okay because i am a nerd about the history of the americas okay right <laughs> yeah and i mean you know it is about the iraq war but really it could just be about colonialism in general sure. right this like is,
1: yeah you know people it's, it's his mistake to be that specific anyway
0: yeah, oh yeah yeah totally yeah because yeah um we come in peace we are your friends Right, like, but then they come in with guns, and they are trying to tell people to forget their history, forget their religion, forget yeah. everything that makes them them, right, yeah. like that's just that's imperialism everywhere, like historically as well, um, not just in Iraq, uh, and because I've been studying history for a million years, and <laughs> um, I was a history student at the time that I heard the song, that's how I interpreted it, yeah. I wanted to go through and talk about the lyrics more specifically, but I couldn't find them online anywhere. Huh. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think that he is not super popular, right? Like, I don't think he's ever achieved much no. popularity anywhere. No. But he he has a passion for what he does. Yeah. Yeah.
1: That's probably why he's living in Vienna. Yeah, probably. It's a place. Sometimes you see musicians who kind of uh, marginal musicians, they'll wash up somewhere else, you know, and be like, why are you? I wonder where they're there. And you go, oh, yeah, probably cheaper to live there or
0: right yeah
1: they're more accepting of them yeah it's more more popular like that kind of that kind of like mouthiness doesn't really sell very well in the states no it does not like people in the states don't want to hear this stuff about them they don't you know that's the yeah. last thing that's not what they enjoy what they enjoy is people telling them how great they are you know mm-hmm. so you know like it's, it's kind of that's sort of the joke of born in the usa which is a song very critical of of the United States but because it's called born in the USA it's beloved by Americans who just like <laughs> love to pump their fist to the song complaining about America you know from the point of view of I think as a Vietnam vet and you know what whatever so i just think that's sort of amusing so this this song's probably more popular in Europe where they're like all over like making fun of the Americans oh, They're totally. like oh this song mocks the yeah absolutely. mocks those imperialists yep. they took over from our imperialism <laughs> boo on them
0: <laughs> yeah oh but then the other thing about this song um, is that it was Or this album, I think, was also kind of stylistically different from its previous albums, Mm. which were, as I said, more glam rock, punk influences, pop rock, progressive rock. This one was pretty 70s inspired. Mm. Like it sort of went through a bunch of different 70s... Tropes. Tropes. Yeah. Yeah. And then it was also produced by John McIntyre, which a a lot of reviews attributed to the songs on here being... Like this one in particular being good because it was produced by John McIntyre.
1: Yeah, well, he's m- he's much more musical than say let's let's you know let's assume that Bobby Kahn is more about performance and he's about music. Mm-hmm. So John McIntyre would be the opposite of that. Like if you watch Tortoise play, they're basically heads down staring at their their fret of their instrument, playing their their really complicated music. Right. So you know you've got someone who's highly performative, and then someone who's more about the music. Mm-hmm. So he is more. Um, Yeah, he's more performative, and where McIntyre is going to take those songs and he's going to give some uh, interesting arrangements, you know, and things. And maybe, you know, and that might be another reason why the Glass Gypsies are are credited on it is because he was uh, he was using the band in a way that they weren't used in other albums. But who knows? You know, it's just it's all guesswork. But yeah, John McIntyre, I'd say a member of Tortoise, uh, would be described as a post rock band. Mm, Um, Yeah. Which basically what post rock means is that they brought in elements of uh other music to me tortoise sounds a lot like a band that really really likes uh Steve Reich, the minimalist composer and it just sort of like kind of whole like this and like wholeheartedly like lifted his entire sound and like transformed it into like a rock con, con- right. uh, context but he's but he's produced like wilco and and stereolab most most importantly to me stereolab because i right. i would like point to him as being like part of their like their golden part of the like their golden era hmm. basically around uh coburn group phases
0: play voltage in the milky night yeah right
1: or sorry phases group play uh voltage in the milky night or um the album's from that time period right, so right. yeah they went after that they're they're um what is called i can't remember what it's called now the last of the micro punters i think it's called yeah okay. which is like an ep it has outer bongolia on it and some other good stuff so yeah like so they're you know that kind of musicality he he would bring to this project for sure all right well let's uh let's hear your next one
0: okay so the next song is i'm a cuckoo by bell and sebastian Ah. from their 2003 album dear catastrophe waitress very good album so let's hear i'm a cuckoo
3: Had a funny dream and you were wearing funny shoes You were going to a dance You were dressed like a punk But you were too young to remember I'm glad to see you outside the house And i thinking right today I've got no energy I'm glad that you were waiting with me Tell me all about your day Breaking off this misery, I see a wilderness for you and me, punctuated by philosophy. I'm wondering how things could have been. I'm happy for you, you made a half for me. I counted on your company. You were staying with your friends tonight. Feeling sorry for myself I keep taking everything to be a I'm happy for you But now I know this hurt is poison Too sharp to be bad. I'm sitting on my empty bed I'm on my empty bed At night the fever grows It's pounding, pounding I'd rather be in Tokyo I'd rather listen to Thin lesio. Watch the Sunday gang and high you cook. There's something wrong with me, I'm a cuckoo And I was high from playing shows We lost a singer to hard clothes My trouble raised its ugly head I was revealed and I was home in bed I was a kid again Jesus told me, go after every coin Like it was the last in the world And protect the wayward child but I'm a little lost sheep, I need my boat heat, you know I need my shepherd here tonight Breaking up this misery, I see a wilderness for you and me Punctuated by philosophy I'm wondering how Still we let you settle down I've got no place down. to your crown you I was the boss down. of you and I loved you You know I love you, it's all over now And I was there for you when you were lonely I was there when you were five. I was there when you were sad Now it's the time I need, I'm thinking I'd rather listen to Thin Lazio and watch the Sunday gang in Harajuku. There's something wrong with me, I'm a cuckoo.
0: That was the fantastic song, I'm a Cuckoo by <laughs> Bell and Sebastian.
1: Oh, what well what do you think of this song, Mary? Do you think it's fantastic? Um <laughs>
0: Yes, it's fantastic. Yes, what do you a... think of the song? Oh, Matt? I really like the song a lot. It's yes. very it's, good.
1: It's a really good song. Um yes. I love their uh I love their little nod to Thin Lizzy in their, mm-hmm. their dual guitar playing. Which is something that bugs me about Thin Lizzy, but I really enjoy it in this context for some reason.
0: Wow, what a hypocrite.
1: I know, it's funny. <laughs> But then Lizzie's a band where, like, I always heard like about like they have a dual guitar format. So mm-hmm. they have two guitar players who are supposed to be very good, Scott Gorman and I can't remember that Brian Robertson, I think their names were, and they're very they're like, I was told how good they were as guitar players, like in things that I've read about the, about the band, and so, and they had a dual guitar format. So what was I thinking, Mary? I was thinking I was going to hear two guitar players riffing together, doing you know cool, like solos together and stuff mm-hmm. like that, which I love, like in Local Rapids, for instance, or yep. Bum, the Bubble Puppy. Instead, they do these. um these kind of harmonic guitar solos where they're playing together but playing like not even like playing notes together. They're like they're doing chords and at the same time. It's kinda of disappointing. But anyway, I do like it in the context of, of Bell and Sebastian where they, they turned it into like a pop thing rather than a rock thing. That makes sense?
0: Yes, oh yeah, definitely. And actually, mm-hmm. let me just say yes. that this album was produced by Trevor Horn. Yes. Who is attributed to giving this album its poppier sound.
1: Yeah, probably. As opposed
0: to their sort of, uh, their more like lo-fi folksy sound. Their shambling folks sound. Yes, exactly. From their previous albums. So mm-hmm. Trevor Horn has produced approximately a million things according to his Wikipedia page. Yes. Including Share mm. and Seal. Okay. And a Let's bunch of the soundtrack stuff. albums.
1: But most importantly, he produced Yes and was a member of Yes. Oh, he uh, was in the Buggles with with another right. guy with Jeff. I don't know who
0: the Buggles are though.
1: The Buggles they did this they did a song called Radio Killed the Radio Star" oh, which I, I, I believe was the first song that was played on MTV.
0: Oh really? Yes. It does seem like it was an MTV first video. song.
1: It was the first video on MTV. Mm-hmm. And uh yeah and then they were asked to join Yes. And he produced the, the the one of their one of their albums which has has numbers in the title so I can't remember what that one's called. I don't remember numbers. Right. But um Is
0: it that uh Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine song.
1: That's, that's right. Tommy Yes Tone. <laughs> Singing his song, Jenny. And, um, yeah, and then he was in a ba- band called Art of Noise with uh, w- a woman called Anne Dudley, who also does a lot of soundtracks. Mm-hmm. A, she's a composer. I was reading an interview with him, and he was saying how he...
0: With he being Trevor Horn. Trevor Horn,
1: yeah. Mm-hmm. And he said his daughter was playing Balanced um, playing Bastion, and she played for him Stars of Track and Field.
2: Okay. And he thought it was a
1: very good song, but it was horribly produced. He thought, right, which is the real slam on Tony Dugan, who,
2: <laughs> you know, it's not
1: like he is kind of like he is kind of the Bell and Sebastian house producer, but he wasn't like a like a truly professional producer. He mm-hmm. was he was a guy working in a studio that was part of a part of like a government pro like a government plan where they would pay they would pay unemployed people who wanted to to learn. Like to do music, basically. Right. was The idea. That's how Bell and Sebastian started. Cool. They were, they were came together around this, around this uh kind of like a how anybody could call it a government
0: community service, a government it a grant.
1: No a government, the a government program.
0: Okay.
1: Um, like encouraging people to to you know do something they love, which I guess in this case was music. And so they would, you know, they give them enough money to produce a single. But what Bell, what Stuart Murdoch did was he he got the band to rehearse really. Like, he really put the band through their paces and mm. got them to, to know all their songs. And they basically recorded their first album in the length of time it took to do the, a single <laughs> for other bands.
2: Yeah.
1: And so, and then it just happened to be that day, Tony Dugan was the producer who was working in the, working in the, or the engineer who was working in the the studio that day. And so he got the production credit. Mm. And then the band liked him and felt comfortable with him and they used him on their other p- projects. Okay. But he wasn't like, he wasn't a Trevor Horn- level right. producer so yeah. it's kind he wasn't of
0: like a professional who'd been in a bunch of bands and he produced a bunch of things yeah and he knew that's what r- he was doing that's like, right
1: and had like yeah. experience working in big studios and all this stuff so it's kind of a kind of unfair but it is true that trevor horn took took balance sebastian and, and and especially at a time when they had become a bit fractured i guess i could say like you know the first album is basically just stuart murdoch writing the songs and then as the band went on he started you know, uh, Stuart David, the original bass player in the band, started contributing his songs, which were very different sounding than what what uh, Stuart Murdoch was, was doing. And then um, Stevie, um I can't remember his name now, Stevie, doesn't matter. Anyway, the other guitar player in the band, um, you know, he started contributing songs. Mm-hmm. And then Isabel, um, gee, boy, my brain, sometimes my brain goes in this, like, I can remember names, like, uh, and then I, as soon as you ask me, like, who's in something, I'll, be, I'll forget. But anyway, Isabel Campbell. Uh, well, I think also started writing songs. I
0: think it's because you didn't do any of the research. That's true, so but usually, I should
1: know this off the top of no, my head.
0: No, but usually when we do the podcast, you've yeah. been reading about music and about bands for like twelve hours. <laughs> so you're like, oh, I've got all this music stuff in my head. So you're <laughs> well, just i have like, it
1: there anyway. But it's just, no, it's, no, I know. But it's, it's when it's, the pressure's on that I can. It's brought can't, to uh, the
0: forefront yeah. because you've been doing all this research. So even if you're not reading about Isabel Campbell specifically, you're reading about um. I almost said Stuart Gordon. That's a different person. Yeah. Oh, but Stuart Murdoch. Yeah. And um and these other people and you're like oh yeah and Isabel Campbell too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Like it's just kind of yeah.
1: Yeah. So anyway, so so when they did "Fold Your Hands, Child," you walk, uh, you walk like a peasant. Um, you know, it's a I still think it's a good album, but it's very fractured. Like there's not a it's not, it is, it's not a real like cohesive al- album. And so when Trevor Horn took over, um, Stuart David had left to f- to s- form Looper. Isabel Campbell had left to do go solo, and so, you know, so there was a, suddenly a diff a drop in the songwriting, um, you know, songwriting uh, pool, and so the album kind of came together with just Stuart Murdoch and Stevie writing his songs, and and they're kind of egging each other on as well. So, for instance, uh, Stevie or um, I think I'm a cuckoo, no, I'm a cuckoo. Stuart, Stuart Murdoch, but then Stevie wrote a song. I can't remember which song it was now. But well,
0: You're a Cuckoo.
1: No, you're a Cuckoo. But he wrote another song. And then, you okay. know, Stuart Murdoch was jealous of that song. And so he then wrote Roy, uh, another song, Roy Walker, which, like, was the topper for that song. You know what I mean? So they kind of, they, they, um, that this album had, like, that, you know, had a few other factors that, that kind of hampered the other album's uh, effectiveness. But, but I would agree that, um, that, uh, Trevor Horn really brought, brought his A game to this album. And it is.
0: Stevie Jackson.
1: Thank you. It is. The best Ballad Sebastian album, and it will, and has not been beaten by them yet.
0: Yeah, no, I. I and agree. in
1: a way, they've they've gotten more less cohesive again because they've added dance elements to their music. Mm. So they so they play songs that are kind of like '60s pop sound, you know, their shambling lo-fi folky sound, and then also these sort of dance tracks on an album. So it's <laughs> a real, it's a real dog's breakfast, but whatever, you know, whatever makes them happy, I guess.
2: Yeah, yep.
1: But anyway, all right. So what do so you think? Should... So do you want to do did did you want to say something about the song before I went on my rant?
0: No, no, I, uh, I didn't have. I mean, we've talked about Belle and Sebastian before, yes, we right. Have. So I didn't put a lot of information about mm. them. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of wrote down about Trevor Horn because yeah. I felt like he produced this album and he also produced the single. Yeah, right. Because um, I'm a Cuckoo was a single in 2004 yeah. as well.
1: I have it. I have the single. Oh, do you? Oh yeah.
0: Oh wow. Well, that's unsurprising. I have
1: all the singles from this album because this song, books and. Waitress. No, um step into my office baby We're oh, all the sorry, releases yes, singles yeah baby. so i have all the singles for this album
0: i didn't realize books was released as a single yeah, yeah it was oh, okay. released as an
1: ep actually called the books EP."
0: oh okay i thought there was just okay well i guess i guess there was two singles and then also the mm. um okay cool well should we move on if you like am i going too fast with these songs i feel no. like we've just talked about i mean i have a lot of information about some people coming up yeah
1: yeah no no don't worry
0: well but anyway, sorry. I was, I like, I flipped over my page and I looked at Sloan and I was like, well, I don't have any information about them because like, whatever. We need to talk about <laughs> Sloan more. God. <laughs> That's fine. Okay. Um, all all right, right. Who's next, Mary? So this next song is called Sleeping on the Blacktop and okay. it's by Coulter Wall oh. from his 2015 EP Imaginary Appalach- Appalachia.
1: Imaginary Appalachia.
0: Imaginary Appalachia.
1: Okay. Is he from Appalachia?
0: No. We'll talk about that.
1: Is he from the South?
0: He's from Saskatchewan.
1: South Saskatchewan.
0: Um, kind of the middle. Oh. We're gonna. Well, he has. He has a kind of interesting. Um. He's kind of an interesting background. Well, middle we'll S- central
1: Saskatchewan is about as far as humans go in Saskatchewan. That's
0: true. I, well, he's from. Um, I mean,
1: there's more, but th- in terms of like.
0: He's from the fifth largest town in Saskatchewan.
1: Oh really? Yes. Hmm. Middle. Okay. Well, let's listen to the song. This is called uh, "Sleeping on the Blacktop." Yes and it's by culture wall
0: yes from his 2015 ep imaginary appalachia all
1: right let's listen to that
2: do it
4: Lady spitting at the Nickajacks Businessman with a needle and a spoon Coyote chewing on a cigarette Pack of young boys going howling at the moon Hey, darling, sleeping on the blacktop head darling, running through the trees, honey Head darling, leaving for the next time Letting my sense catches up with me Four two witnesses blown up high Not sure whose will be done You can call me a sinner for wondering why Hey, darling, sleeping on the blacktop Hey, darling, running through the trees, honey Hey, darling, leaving for the next time Less my sense catches up with me Sweeter in this town. Could it be it's the same as the last? I swear I've seen your face elsewhere before, just as familiar as a bottle and a glass. Hey, darling, sleeping on the black top. Hey, darling, running through the trees, honey. Hey, darling, even for the next town, Lesson, my sense sketches up with me. Hey, darling, sleeping on the black top. Hey, darn and running. The trees, honey, head done and leaving for the next ten lesson my sense catches up with me.
0: Okay, so that was Sleeping on the Blacktop by Colter Wall.
4: Okay, Mary, like,
1: so got a question for you here. Yeah. So one of your criteria for this, uh, for your mix,
0: mm-hmm.
1: peppy songs uh-huh. that you could sing along to. Yes. And then you put this song on it.
0: Uh-huh. Well, I can sing along to this song.
1: You can sing along to this song. Yes. But is it peppy?
0: It's not.
1: This song feels like it would make cleaning a toilet a grueling task <laughs> rather than a joyful like if you're cleaning this to, let's say we come in peace,
2: uh-huh.
1: you know you're singing along to it, you're bobbing your head. Mm-hmm. Oop! There goes a squirrel along our fence.
0: Oh, there he is.
1: Um, sorry everyone. I'm like, <laughs> am I a dog? Squirrel. Um, anyway, if I will say, I really enjoyed this song. I thought it was good. I really liked the guitar in it. Oh, good. And I liked his voice a lot. Yeah. But it just didn't seem to me like one that you'd like be skipping, hop skipping down the uh, down the hallway carrying some bedding to the to the That's bed to, fair. to make it.
2: And
0: actually this song was one that I added to oh, okay. <laughs> to fill it out because okay. it was not long enough. Yeah. A. But also I felt like all of the songs were a bit too high energy. Yeah. Oh. And that's it a good was thing. it was not really working mm-hmm. because it felt like all the songs were like way up here. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I feel like you kind of needed sure I feel you like do. you do need to sort of like yep. be up and then down and yep. then up and down for a playlist to really work. Yeah. You know? Like it works well for a work playlist yeah. when you're working and you're not really listening to it as, like, a playlist. You're more listening to it as, like, something to keep your energy levels high. Yeah. Then you can have every song be at, like, a really high energy level. Mm. But if you want other people to listen to it, then you kind of need to have some breaks, you know? True. If that makes sense. So this was one True of that. the songs that I added in. There's a okay. couple... I think I added in four songs okay. to this. um, So we can talk about them. So, uh, yeah, I guess when I first... So, yeah I guess there was seventeen songs okay on this playlist when i um when I open it up so we can yeah i I can sort of point out the ones that I added to it sure uh just because I felt like I just needed to break it up a bit you okay know? um
1: so what what's the what us let's, let's, here's the answer to our trivia question everyone
0: mm-hmm.
1: what is the fifth largest town in saskatchewan
0: i don't I didn't write it down
1: oh well you said you presented it
0: I know but I can't remember the name of it it's like a weird name
1: is it medicine hat no that's a, that's, nope. in, that's in Alberta Is it Moose Jaw? Nope. Is it Regina, the city that rhymes with fun? Nope. Is it... Is it... I don't know. I can't think of
0: it. You're not going to guess because everyone only knows two towns in Saskatchewan and no one knows the fifth largest. Mm, It's Swift Current. Oh,
1: Swift Current. Okay. I do know it, but but there you go. Swift Current.
0: I just want to say he was born in Swift Current, Saskatchewan in 1995. He was 20 years old when he um, put out this EP. Okay. So... Mm. Pretty cool. And also, (laughs) his father is Brad Wall, who was the premier of Saskatchewan from 2007 to 2018. Wow. Yeah. Was
1: he the NDP?
0: No, Progressive Conservative. Oh, okay. Yeah. Huh.
1: Well, that's why he sings country music.
0: Yeah.
1: (laughs) Country music is the music of the the Progressive Conservative Party of Canada. Sure is.
0: Well, I think it's also the music of Saskatchewan.
1: And and Alberta. Yeah, and Alberta. The heart of the Progressive Conservative (laughs) movement of Canada. Everyone... Here in Canada, ca- Canada is such a weird country. We cannot have just a Conservative Party. Yes. It has to be progressive conservative. Progressive conservative. Although I think it is the, just a the Conservative Party now, isn't it?
0: Um, I think the
1: PC Party is is no more.
0: Yeah, I think it is. I yeah. I mean, I think it's I mean, at least fed- federally. Yeah, it's just the Conservatives. Yeah. How but, boring. Yeah. Um. So oh. we've
1: reached the point in our in our in our creeping fascism that we don't have to uh, put progressive in for no conservative.
0: Yeah. Yeah, because, you know, it, it very sp- specifically says in Progressive Conservatives, when you go to that page, it's like, it's a just right of center. Yeah. You know, it's it's still a centrist party. Well, so, it's just are con- a right of center. so are the conservatives. I mean, that's, the, that's the thing. Yeah. Like, so are the liberals. Yeah. Right? Like, liberals <laughs> are just left of center. Yeah, yeah. You know, NDPs uh, just past liberals. Yeah, but that's right. They're still... They're all pretty centrist. Mm-hmm. It's not like you can... You don't... We don't really have uh, extreme political views in um in office in Canada. No. It's all.
1: As long as everyone's happy. See,
0: it's all just it's all just centrists as long as trying to make everyone happy. As long as
1: everyone's getting their money in the back end, it's all good.
0: <laughs> um yeah, so uh But
1: see here in Canada, mm-hmm. our politicians have the decency to take their money when they leave office rather than take it while they're in office. Yes. So that's the difference. Yes. They all the money goes to the corporations hmm And then when the politician leaves office, then he gets money back. Yes. So it's a real Yep, yep, it's a real it, good game.
0: Yeah, it works well. <laughs> um but yeah, so Coulter Wall, he grew up in Swift Current, Saskatchewan. His dad was in politics for mm-hmm. his whole entire life. Yeah. Before he was the premier, he was
2: an
1: MLA, um, I guess.
0: Yeah, he was an MLA, he was the Member head of the, of the
1: le- legislative assembly.
0: He was the head of the opposition for a while mm-hmm. in Saskatchewan as well, um, or leader of the opposition in Saskatchewan. Okay. For, I guess when NDP was in, yeah, was in office. Um,
1: By the way, NDP stands for New Democratic Party. Everyone.
0: Yeah. So that is our. So Canada has one right-wing party and three left-wing parties. So the <laughs> Green Party is the most left. Yes. The NDP is the second most left, and then the Liberals are the center-left. The centrists.
1: Yes. So the liberals and conservatives are basically say two sides of the same coin. They'd be like the Republican Democrats would yes. be an example of that. Yeah. The NDP are the party of the unions. Yes. And the Green Party are the party of the environment. Yes. Environmentalists.
0: Yes. And uh, the NDP and the Green Party are also um, also contribute to uh, a lot of schisms within liberals of, of Canada. Yes. In that um, people refuse to vote for the Liberals because they don't like Trudeau. So they vote for NDP and then the conservatives get in because no one voted for the liberal. There are not enough people voted for the liberals. Yeah, yeah. Like NDP is not going to get in, y'all. Just vote for liberal. You got to do uh, strategic voting. Mm-hmm. Strategic voting. It was all about
2: strategic that's voting what, last that's election. That's what the
1: conservatives did too, because there was a progressive conservative party and then there was a reform party. Right. We're both conservative right of center parties. Mm-hmm. The reform being farther right than the, than the progressive conservatives. Right. So then they banded together mm-hmm. and they formed a party that was going to be called the Conser- conservative Reform Alliance Party.
0: Okay. Conservative Reform Alliance, CRA. Okay. No, with a P. Oh, crap. Yeah. So then
1: right. they realized, uh-oh. Yeah. So then just went with conservative. Yeah. I decided to just leave the reform part out of it,
0: <laughs> and the alliance, yeah, And the alliance, yeah. Um, forget all,
1: forget all that stuff. Yeah, <laughs> It didn't happen.
0: But yeah, the problem with the liberal with the liberal parties is they all hate each other too much to ever band together.
1: Yes. Yeah. Yeah, they're all too. <laughs> it's
0: unfortunate. They're all too proud.
1: Well, it's not just that. It's just okay. Your environmental party, you're all for the environment. The NDP party, which would like to have the environmentalists as part under their under their umbrella, but they're they're in the pockets of the unions, yeah. who are you know also you know, based in industry. Mm-hmm. So they can't be completely environmentally f- over the top yeah. because they need to like also be friendly to unions and be friendly to industry. And mm-hmm. so, yeah. It's, yeah. And uh,
0: the liberals. Yeah. They, if they went for the green party, yeah. that would not go over well with industry at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's uh, it's pretty fun. It's pretty fun when it, fun when it comes around to voting time and you're trying to convince all your liberal friends to vote strategically. <laughs> like this last, last election, we live in a pretty conservative area. Right. We live in a rural area.
1: We live in a rural area. We live in the Bible Belt of British Columbia.
0: Yeah. You know, me and my boyfriend were trying to find a place to have brunch today and everywhere was closed because it was Sunday. Yeah. Uh, he recently, I know, it's outrageous.
2: People like to have a day off.
0: Yeah. He recently moved from Vancouver and was like, this is ridiculous. He's like, Monday, Tuesday is like the, uh, the days off in the kitchen world. Yeah. He used to work in kitchens for a long time. Yeah. I was like, people need to go to church, dude. Like, it's Sunday. It's <laughs> Sunday, yeah. He's like, but it's a day off. That's the good day for breakfast. I was like, well, I don't know what to tell you, man. People need to go to church. People need a day off. Yeah. So, yeah, we do have half an hour for brunch.
2: Huh.
0: It was okay. It wasn't great. We went to a 24-hour brunch place in a town called Mission. Oh, okay. Um, And it's the but- uh diner where Riverdale is filmed. In. Oh, yeah, yeah. We didn't go there because of that.
1: No, but that was the only one that was open.
0: Yeah, essentially. It's 24 hours. It's always open. Mm. And they weren't filming there, which was good. Because the other one that we went to was closed, mm. like for for permanent, I think.
1: Oh, really?
2: hmm
0: Yeah, we tried to go to one called the Lighthouse Cafe. It was cute. Oh. It was like right on the Fraser River. Oh, that's nice. It was in a really industrial area, which was weird. But mm. it was a cute little place. I think that it kind of serviced the people who worked around there, right? Yeah, kind yeah. Kind of like yeah. that um, hilltop cafe. Yeah, you yeah. Know? One yeah. of those ones that people go to, it, it's open until like...
4: Two, three, yeah, two yeah. or three
0: p.m. because it only serve serves like the people who work in the area. Yeah, that's right. Um, but yeah, no, I think it was like closed for good. It huh. seemed pretty too bad. Seemed pretty shut yeah, It seemed cute.
1: So why did he call this album "Imaginary Appalachia"?
0: Oh yeah. So well, let me just talk about Coulter Wall just a little bit more. Okay. So
1: don't let me distract you by distracting you.
0: Yeah, that's, that's fine. Um, so anyway, his father was the premier of Saskatchewan from 2007 to 2018. Yes. So the premier is kind of like the governor. Yeah. I guess of sure. like the state, so he's yep. like runs the state politically. He's
1: the first minister of the uh, legislature. Yeah, he's not like a governor because he's not voted in separately. He's right. He is me- he a member of the legislature. I'm just assembly. trying to think
0: of a an, of an equivalent. Yeah, like not an equivalent in terms of a, how they're elected, but yeah. a, an equivalent in terms of um, what they do. Sure, there you go. I feel like, like a go- governor, like a governor of a yeah. state, right? So he did that for Saskatchewan for Coulter Walls, like most of his life um but Coulter wall started playing guitar when he was 13 he started doing like you know covers of rock bands like every 13 year old boy starts playing guitar okay um but then after he heard bob dylan's song don't think twice it's all right mm. he heard that when he was 15 or 16 and he was inspired to start writing his own songs wow so he um wrote and recorded this ep at imaginary appalachia while he was attending university okay So after this was released, he decided to take a break from school to focus on his music. Mm. Um, So Imaginary Appalachia is sort of a mix of blues and folk and Americana. Mm. Um, So he was really inspired by the sort of Appalachian sound right? that you get in a lot of sort of Americana, folky, bluesy stuff. So that's what he was going for with this. Um, And he did this album pretty much entirely on his own. So he or this EP pretty much entirely on his own, like he didn't really have any backing artists or anything um, for his. So he's put out two albums since this one. He put out one in 2017, and another in 2018, and for both of those he had, um, I think, three other people who were, who would play with him. Okay. Sort of. So they've played with him on the albums and they've toured with him as well. Cool. Um, but yeah, for this one it was all all by itself. So we wrote it and recorded it and everything. All. And then this song in particular has gotten a lot of attention. So it was actually featured in a couple movies. So I think it was um, there was a wrestler who heard it and really liked it. Okay. And started promoting it a lot. All oh, right. Um. So it was on like it ended up being on like Dog the Bounty Hunter on an episode of that TV show.
1: Oh, I but, guess that's good.
0: Yeah, I guess I guess it's good for his popularity. Yeah. But then it was also in the movie Hell or High Water. Oh, that's a good movie. And in the movie Three Billboards Outside Ebbing, Missouri. Okay. I believe it's actually in the trailer for Three Billboards. Oh, okay. Um, that, the song was. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then he, I think he released a single from this song as well, or sorry, from this album as well, um, which is also a very fantastic song. It's called The Devil Wears a Suit and Tie. Mm. Um, and it's a story about a man getting sort of tempted to sell his soul to the devil. Okay. Um, but yeah, this this album in particular is very, it's very Appalachian. It has a lot of sort of like Southern Virginia um, or West Virginia sort of. Uh, images, okay. you know, and ideas. References and References. Like, and... References, yeah, like um, the next song is a song about um, a family whose son dies in the war, and I'm assuming the Civil War, and they're they're trying to figure out how to get his body back home so they can bury it on the family farm. Okay. Um, and then <clears throat> in The Devil Wears a Suit and Tie, the singer of the song is, uh, I believe, picking cotton, he says at one point. That's like what he he compares the uh the colour of the devil's suit to to the cotton that he's picking. Okay. Um so there there is a lot of that sort of imagery. <laughs> he does lose that a lot in his next album, which I don't think is as good. I see. I think so his um his album is called Coulter Wall. It came out in twenty seventeen. And it's um it's a bit more country. It's a little less folksy. Yeah. And less like
1: More polished sounding?
0: More polished, yeah, because I think it was more professionally produced. Mm -hmm. He has like backing artists, and um, I also read that most of the songs are sort of based on his own life as well. Okay. Which I think is an interesting concept, but I think is maybe not so interesting a concept for someone who's 21. (laughs) You know, like how much, (laughs) you know, how much life experience do you really have at that point, right? And like his. I feel like his voice in this song is very, um, you know, like he doesn't sound like he's a twenty-year-old mm. in the song, right? Yeah. It sounds like he's a lot older. Yeah, um, yeah. He's yeah, he's younger than I am, which <laughs> doesn't seem very fair, but okay.
1: I think I feel.
0: Oh yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, you have stuff to show for it. You've got two beautiful daughters. That's true. One of whom is older than this person who's put out three albums. <laughs> Oh, um, but what did you think of this song, Dad?
1: Oh, I enjoyed it. I yeah, they said that. I'll say it again if you want me to. Yeah, I do. I want to hear it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, no, I enjoyed it. I thought it was good. I liked his. I like his voice. I liked his approach to the song. I like the guitar playing.
0: Cool. That's good. It's good.
1: It's good. Yeah. I was prepared to not like it because I was. I, I was waiting. I was thinking it was going to be a country song. Mm, yes. And I figured.
0: Uh, I figured you were preparing yourself to not like it, but yeah, it is a good song. Gritting my teeth. You're like, Ugh.
1: gonna be all kind of. Oh, okay, yeah, it's not bad.
0: Yeah, no, it's good. Right. I'm, uh, I'm surprised. I would be surprised if Uncut never had it on there. <laughs> yeah, on one of their.
1: Well, yeah, it's, uh, it's really up to whoever's doing marketing for him to get get it to their attention.
0: Mm-hmm, that's true.
1: And uh, yeah, yeah, they would probably. Uh, I don't
2: know.
0: But I mean, it might also be harder too because he's Canadian.
1: Yeah, they're not super. I mean, there's some bands that they kind of broken away, like uh, New Pornographers, for sure, would be a band mm-hmm. that they yeah. really uh, championed at one point, but. But yeah, they often kind of dismiss groups. As I remember reading one time, as this was a long time ago, I think it was actually in Q magazine, but it said that Canada was a country where the rock acts had their hairstyles were five years out of date. That was their description of a of a rock band from Canada. And I was like, hey. But anyway, all right, Mayor. So uh, what's what's after uh, Culture Wall?
0: So this next song is one that is um, a first for us. Oh. Because we've heard it before. Okay. <laughs> so it's She Says What She Means ah, by Sloan very good song. from their 1998 album, Navy Blues.
1: Very good. Let's hear it. Let's hear it. <clears throat> very good i don't mind listening to it twice it's a
0: really good song i
1: I probably listened to it more than twice actually oh
0: i've definitely listened to it more than twice (laughs) but now we've made the listeners hear it twice and you know what i don't feel bad you don't feel bad about that no it's a good song
1: it is a very good song it's very exciting it's a song that i think you can listen to in a big crowd and jump up and down to. yes definitely It's, it's fun for that
0: it's also a song that makes cleaning toilets uh, enjoyable you know I can clean toilets I yeah. can even mopping the dining hall which was my least favorite task yeah maybe not even that It's far too high <laughs> mopping that giant giant room was very anyway um so yeah this song was written by Chris Murphy
1: mm-hmm. yep
0: we've talked about it I don't know what else to say it's we've talked about Sloan it's really good we've talked about this song in particular Yep. I think we can move on
1: let me tell you let me tell a cute story about Mary this one Mary was probably about three three years old 98, we but four years old then, four years old. And uh, a different song from this album from Navy Blues called Money City Maniacs came on the, the radio. And I wasn't there. This was She was with her grandma and her uncle. And she went, oh, this is Sloan." And she really impressed her uncle with her <laughs> musical no knowledge,
0: just blown away. I'm just saying, I've been a fan of Canadian alt-rock bands for a long time. You have been
1: a fan you of know? them for a long time.
0: I think it's I a... probably would have impressed them even more if it had been a Local Rabbit song. Yeah. But Sloan- I don't.
1: He Lowe, wouldn't even know who it was. He no, that's true. He could have said Local rabbits. about any song, and he would have been like, okay.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. But
1: okay, well, we'll say that that's a great, great song, and... Uh, it Everyone, is. you should enjoy
0: hear. enjoy having to hear it again. Yeah, go back and listen to it a fourth. You're or a third time. You You're welcome. You're welcome. All right, so here's the next song. Okay. So this is the song "Brim Full of Asha." Okay. By the band Corner Shop. Yes. Um. Except. So, so there are two versions of the song. Yeah. The original was from Corner Shop's album "When I Was Born" for the seventh time. Yeah. From 1997. Okay. However, this version. Is the remix by DJ Norman Cook, aka Fatboy Slim, sure. that he put out in 1998? Okay. So we are hearing Fatboy Slim remix. All right. From 1998 of "Brimful of Asha."
1: Two songs from 1998
0: in a row. Yes, I did not plan that. <laughs> this, this, uh, a lot of these songs come from sort of the same decade. Yeah. Which is from like 1995 to like 2005. Okay. But I. Again, didn't plan it. It just just happened that way. Sure. I just like this decade, I guess. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, um, let's hear Corner Shop and Brimful Vasha.
1: Let's give it a listen, everyone.
5: Behind movie scenes, behind the movie scenes, Sadie She's the one that keeps the dream alive from the morning past evening to the end of the light. Dreamful, your own. and then him Government is warning About that promotion Of the sick life Of the damn dead building It's a brim school Asher On the 45 Well it's a brim school of Asher Everybody needs a bosom. Everybody needs a bosom for a pillow. Everybody needs a bosom. Everybody needs a bosom for a pillow. Everybody needs a bosom. My song is body fire.
0: I'm and dancing, i dancing, I'm My All right, so that was
1: that was exciting.
0: That was a good song, right?
1: Yeah, well, it's a good remix of a. It's song. a good
0: remix of a song. Yeah. Um. So we should also talk about the original song. Sure. Um. So, well, I'll talk about Corner Shop a little bit first. Okay. Okay. So Corner Shop is a British band. Yes. So they're made up of brothers to gender. And Avtar Singh, as well as David Chambers and Ben Ayers. Okay. So the name for the band Corner Shop comes from the stereotype of Asian migrants or owning corner shops. Oh, I see. So the two brothers, yeah. um, Avtar and Ginger Singh, are Indian. Mm-hmm. Right? So
1: Their those, last name is a giveaway. I their
0: guess. last name is a giveaway. Yeah. And I mean...
1: <laughs> their first names, too, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> their entire name is a yes. giveaway.
0: Um, so... Uh, in, yeah, I mean, it, it did specifically say the stereotype of like British Asian yeah. immigrants owning corner shops, mm-hmm. but I think that that's a stereotype that exists in Canada and America as well.
1: I don't know so much. I, that's not my, that's not my experience as a, as no? a more Chinese immigrants were, were okay. more Okay, But I mean, it like just being, says Asian.
2: Yeah, I guess Asian, right? but so, that's
1: South Asian yeah. as being, a, but I guess Asian. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Sort yeah. of all Asian, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, even if you think about movies, right? Yeah. like yeah um and uh do the right thing sure right which is a movie fraught with stereotypes right and sort of like breaking those down yeah there is is a korean family that has a corner shop in that movie yes
1: that's a very common thing in the states
0: Mm -hmm. yeah um
1: and there's a lot of conflict between koreans and uh,
0: blacks oh yeah as you can see in the movie do the right thing
1: as you can see in the movie do the right thing which is you know commenting on an actual thing not made up things
0: yeah well yes um so uh yeah before corner shop the Singh Brothers and David Chambers were in the band General Havoc. Okay. Uh, that band released one single. Mm. It was called Fast Jaspel EP.
1: Fast Jaspel EP. EP.
0: They didn't do anything else. They just did that one single. Yeah. Um, and yeah, when they started out, it seems like they were very... Um, well, they're, okay, their first album, according to the internet, yeah. their first album was Indian-tinged noise pop, on curry colored vinyl. Okay. So well, they were trying That to, sounds gross. They were trying to make curry a, a statement, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which I imagine was like sort of like an orange. Oh, I, I I
1: thought it was more like a yellowy green.
0: I guess that would be green curry. Yeah. I more think of curry as like Are you thinking sort of like a butter like,
1: chicken kind of c- colour
0: well that's more of like a red, but I think most hmm. curries are sort of like an orangey colour.
1: Well, that's not so bad then.
0: Yeah. Um but they kind of mellowed out for their next album. Okay. And they achieved some mainstream success with This album, which was called um, When I Was Born for the Seventh Time. Yeah. So that one came out in 1997. Okay. And, yeah, they mellowed out a lot for this one, right? Mm. They sort of...
1: um, Uh, Used actual song structures. Used actual
0: song structures and brought in sort of some more, like, traditional, like, rock and pop elements, right? Yeah, yeah. um, they still did have a lot of... Like, they still did have sort of Indian influences as well. I think that they kind of toned down their sort of, like, Mm -hmm. racial politics stuff that they were were going for as well, right? Sort of... um, yeah. But, you know, they, they did that one. They sort of said their, they had their, their say. Yeah. You know, now they're like, okay, let's make some music. Kind of like Sufjan, mm-hmm. right? Where he started out and he was like, I'm just going to be really loud.
1: Yeah.
2: And then yeah. it was like,
0: okay, but like, let's try to sell some stuff. And
2: <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. All
0: right. So that's what they kind of did with this one. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess
1: I got signed to a record company and the record company said, listen, guys, we want you to sell records. Yes. Yeah, exactly. We signed you to sell records. Yeah. And this is what we want you to do.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, um, but this album, Rolling Stone and Spin, I don't yeah. know who Spin is, but they were... they were Another American magazine. Okay, they were American both magazine. really favorable of this mm-hmm. album. Okay. They said, like, lots of really good stuff about it, big reviews. They were, like, pu- publicizing it and stuff. Yeah. Um, and this song was really popular as well. But this... Um, before the remix? Before the remix. Yeah. But yeah. then after the remix, it was, like, crazy popular.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but the other thing, this song is pretty... So the original song has a bit more of this, where it's about um, Indian film history. Yeah. Sort of the history of, like, Bollywood films. Yeah. So the song is called Brimful of Asha. And at one point in the song, they reference Asha Bosley, who was a playback um, artist. So in Indian movies, there's a lot of music yes. that's used, mm-hmm. but it's not ever the actors actually doing the singing. I see. They're usually doing, like, sort of lip syncing. Yeah. Right? It's like in... um. In a Disney movie, a Disney princess movie, where it's like a different person who does the singing versus the the voice acting, right? So in this, the actual actors just do the, like the mouth movements. And then this woman, Asha Bosley, has done over 12,000 songs for um, for Indian movies. That
1: is a brimful.
0: It sure is. Yeah. So they talk about her and then they mention a few different other um, Indian artists in it. Okay. But in the Norman Cook or the... That Boy, Slim remix, which yeah. is the one that we heard, um, you don't hear as many of their names, because okay. he does sort of change a bit of the lyrics around sure. and I think he speeds it up, and he sort of repeats some parts a bit more, yeah, um so and he
1: really i him talking about buzzing cushions, whatever he's saying,
0: yeah, yeah. what is that, what does that I don't know mean? I okay. have no idea, okay, um but yeah, so maybe we should listen to the original song as well, okay, so that we can hear that, and you can try to sort of pick out the parts where they're talking about Asha Bosley, and then the parts where they're saying other artists' names. Okay, All right. And then the other thing is that I realized is that in this song, they do say, repeat, 45 mm-hmm. a lot, and yeah. that's talking about um, 45s, like the yeah, type the, of record or record. whatever. Your 45
1: um, RPM, yeah. seven-inch singles. Yeah.
0: yeah, so the music video actually has, um, has to gender singing and dancing on like forty fives and like okay. in front of albums and he's dancing in front of albums for the specific artist that he's mentioned. I
2: see. Yeah. Okay. So the interesting
0: the music video is like a girl in her bedroom and she's like playing a bunch of different records yeah. on a record player. Okay. Yeah.
1: Alright well let's uh let's listen to that then. Yeah let's hear Here's it. Here's the original version. Uh Songs Fat Boy Slim.
0: Songs Fat
2: Boy Slim, yes. Here we go.
6: Well No government
5: warning
6: about that promotion of the simple life on the dams they're building.
0: song so that was the one done by um by corner shop yes you ju- know just corner just corner shop just corner shop without,
1: yes uh the song being taken apart and re re uh, what's the word i'm looking for remixed, taken apart and remastered whatever yeah remixed i guess um it's fine
0: so yeah i mean this that original one was written by to tjinder, tjinder singh okay and produced by corner shop okay so it's very much their own song mm-hmm. right about their culture and their history, and about media, um, from you know, for, well, from their parents' yeah. home, I guess, or from yeah. their grandparents' home. I don't know. Um,
1: I feel like to me, I do like both. I do like both songs. Mm-hmm. I do like the Cowboy Slim version a little bit more. Yeah, I think it's a bit more exciting. And it, it is. It, I think the song did need a little bit of a kick, kick in the butt. But, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. but I feel like the both versions are a little long. I think a minute off both versions would make them. Uh, better songs
0: yeah i can see that
1: but uh, they're good
0: but yeah so uh i mean it's
1: it's so good that you heard those that song from me so
2: (laughs) (laughs) but
0: yeah the um they uh you know i'm sure well i i did mention that you should uh listen to or try to try to hear the names of all of the the singers in that one which i don't believe you can hear as well no in the um in the the norman cook Mm -hmm. remix yeah but in the Corner Shop one, they mention Mohammed Rafi and Lata Mange- M- sorry, Mangeshkar okay, um, and All-Indian Radio um, and just like, yeah, yeah sure. just, you know, uh, major players in like music used in like Bollywood films. Sure, sure. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Cultural touchstones for them.
0: Yeah, exactly. But I mean, I, I can also, you know, I don't think you can... They also
1: mentioned Jacques Dutronc, the French... Uh, yes. Composer, singer.
0: Yeah. So they, um. Yeah. They. Yeah. The, it says here. I don't know on Wikipedia. It says the lyrics in the bridge contain a number of references to non-Indian music as well. Mm. I don't. I don't know the significance of that though. Yeah. So um, there was a like an ex an explanation of the lyrics of "Brimful of Asha" that I found on Corner Shop's website. Okay. But it was like a blog post written by someone else. I see. That Corner Shop linked to as like we're often asked what are the meaning, what the meaning is behind the lyrics. Yeah. And here's like the best thing that we've seen. Okay. So they linked to that. Yeah. But the person was like, I have to admit these other artists talking about Jacques Dutronc. Yeah. Mark Bolin, Argo Records, Trojan Records. They were like, I don't really know why. Okay. Well, Mark Bolin
1: is T-Rex. So that would have been like Bang a Gong. Okay. You know, and, uh, and, uh, Are You My Main Man and, uh, Telegram Sam and all that kind of stuff. So, and then Trojan Records was, a uh, was a reggae, uh, was a British label that re-released reggae albums in England, okay. reissued, or, you know, brought them, brought them over from, we would say, licensed them and, 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 and released them in England. And then right. what was the other one? Not junk. Argo junk, Records. Argo Records. Oh, I I don't know what that one is. Sorry. think three out of, three out of four ain't bad. Yeah. As uh, Meatloaf once said.
0: Uh, you know, it's just another recording studio. Classical jazz folk world and spoken word from oh, the okay. UK. Okay um founded by Harley Sill and Cyr- Cyril Clark in 1951 with the intention of british music played by british artists. Mm, okay. so the company's released is, releases expanded to include spoken word. Huh. um but yeah i mean i don't know why those why those artists, Jacques Dutronc, Marc Bolan, Mark Bolan, Argo Records and Trojan Records are listed a- among the um playback artists yeah. and indian music stations yeah. right indian radio channel i don't i don't really know what that is but hmm. i also couldn't find an explanation of it um but yeah the i think i do think i do agree that both versions are good but i also like fat boy slim's more oh but i was gonna say i don't think that we can fault fat boy slim for um you know not including that bridge with all the names in it yeah right like i don't think he was doing it maliciously oh yeah right like no, i don't he's think just he was trying like, well, to I'm make just the gonna, best yeah you know get rid of all these like indian yeah, um yeah, yeah. indian musicians i think he was just trying to make it you know sound better and was not really paying attention to meaning behind it no right? no yeah yeah to him um, it's just
1: about a groove
0: yeah exactly exactly yeah. so yeah and i think that he did that very very well mm-hmm, I think mm-hmm. it's a good sounding song
1: we could we'll talk about him in a bit i, f- I feel
0: <clears throat> yes well yeah
1: all right so what well. is what is next on the uh itinerary mary where are we going to next next on our trip through mary's playlist we
0: are going to 2008
1: 2008 to
0: washington state
1: washington state
0: uh to hear the song mykonos by fleet foxes oh from their ep sun giant yes released in 2008
1: yes that's a good good ep okay let's hear it let's give it a listen everyone
0: So that was the song Mykonos by Fleet Foxes from their EP Sun Giant, released in two thousand eight.
1: Yes, the thing that came out after their album Fleet Foxes, when they released uh...
0: it. Well, it's kind of it's kind of like a weird. There's kind of a weird chronology there. Oh. Because well, please explain, Mary. Technically, their album Fleet Foxes. Yep. Was released in two thousand six. Okay. But they only printed fifty copies of it. Mm. And it was just distributed, like, at concerts. I see. And then they, like, I think that at that point it was just an EP. Okay. Right? So it wasn't the full album yet. I see. So then they uh, continued adding to it and writing new songs. So technically, Fleet Foxes, the album, was recorded before the Sun Giant EP. Okay. But Sun Giant was um, released first. Oh, really?
1: Oh, that's interesting. But,
0: yeah, well, we'll sort of get into that a little mm-hmm. bit. So I just want to talk about, have we talked about Fleet Foxes yet? No, we have not. Okay. So I'm going to talk about them a little bit because I think that they're pretty interesting. Sure. Um. So the front man for Fleet Foxes is named Robin Pecknold. Yes. So him and Skylar Skjelset. Sure. Which is S-K-J-E-L-S-E-T.
1: Pronounced skillset.
0: Is it really? No. I believe it's skillset. Skjelset. Skillset. So they met in high school. Um, the, and the, they... does
1: the, let me to say that Skylar um, set total Seattle name. Oh, is it? Huge Scandinavian po- uh, population there. Really? Yeah.
0: I wasn't aware of that.
1: There was a, they once had like a, like a TV personality kind of like, you know, like a TV, like a kid's TV show right, presenter. Yep. And this character was this, like a Norwegian man who would talk, you know, I can't really do a Norwegian accent, but you know right. what I mean? That was this whole thing. Like that was oh, this okay. whole... He was just Norwegian. Yeah, He was
0: just like a familiar...
1: Because it's such, it's such a huge... Uh, Part of the population there for so long. Fishing. Is what oh, saying.
0: okay. That makes yeah. sense. That makes sense. Yeah. Anyway. Right. Anyway. Um so just passing
1: on my Seattle knowledge.
0: Yeah, yeah. No, that's good. We do live pretty near Seattle. We Great. go there yeah. we go there often. Yeah, it's only a three hour drive. Yeah. That's all. That's all. Um so yeah, they met in high school and they bonded over their mutual love of music. Um and they started Fleet Foxes in two thousand six with Pecknold writing, singing and playing guitar. Um, and he is self-taught in all of those. He didn't okay. have any like official music learning okay. um, until the past few years. I see. Of like, since right now, like in mm-hmm. the past couple of years, he started going to Columbia University, I think in 2017. Yeah. He, and he started taking... He he's took a doing, sabbatical
1: from the record business. Yeah. And, uh,
0: yeah. So he's school. been taking some like general studies. And at that point, he's been taking some like music theory and mm. some official music learning classes. Okay. But um, before that, he was like entirely self-taught. Um, so yeah, Pecknold.
1: Like most rock musicians, really. Yeah.
0: So yeah, Pecknold is doing the writing and the singing and then Scale Set plays the lead guitar. Okay. And then they were filled out with uh, a few other members that they sort of brought in. Um, so they grew a lot of local popularity when they first start, like over 2006 and 2007. Okay. So they started recording then. Um, but because they had really limited funds, most of the tracks were recorded in members' homes, including Pecknold's parents' basement. Okay. Um, but before even releasing any recordings officially, so they did have those fifty printed versions of Fleet Foxes E okay. that they had just to like bring to shows to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but they hadn't officially released anything, right? They just like printed those on their computer or whatever. Yeah. Um, they already had a quarter of a million listens on MySpace hmm. and a record deal with Warner Music Sub Pop. Hmm. So they got that before. But
1: no, Sub Pop was a was a subsidiary of Warner.
0: It is. Hmm. I learned that from. This This research. This research. (laughs) Yeah. Interesting. Um, But yeah, Pecknold attributes their success to online file sharing. He says that without people online learning music, they wouldn't have gotten that record deal. They wouldn't have been able to start doing any of that, which is pretty cool.
1: I'm glad he thinks that because I I downloaded Mika Knows from LimeWire, I think, back in the day. Oh,
0: did you? I think so. Cool. I um, also
1: downloaded a lot of Sufjan Stevens. <laughs> <laughs> well. Before I... I mean, I would, I still bought the record, but... I, but
0: I mean, he has a lot of stuff that he has never officially released. Hmm. Sufjan does. Yeah. Right? He's got, like, basically a whole album's worth of... I mean, he had that whole um, Birds tour Yeah. that was never released. What are you doing with that there's stuff There's two with songs, Sufjan? but
1: yeah. It'll never be released. I was reading uh, something about it.
0: Oh, really? Majesty Snowbird? Yeah. Never?
1: Never be officially released. Well, they feel like there's a perfectly good live version out there, so... Oh, okay. There's Bye. no need to release it. I but, get that. But I say, bah, should be released.
0: Yeah, let me pay for it. I'll pay for it, <laughs> so Um I
1: don't think she knows how much it costs to record, no. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs>
0: uh, so, the band has had a fair amount of lineup changes, mm. but they have had a pretty <clears throat> pretty solid, so Pecknold, um, Skialset, and then someone named Casey Westcott. Okay. Who, Um. and then also Asia Pecknold, who is Robin's sister. Okay. So, that's their manager. I see. So, um, the four of them have been with the band basically at the beginning, mm. so they've had people come and go. Um, Josh Tillman came and went. He um, was with Better them for a has. little bit, and then he went on to a solo career as Father John Misty. for <sighs> Three albums, um, doing that solo stuff. Yeah. But he was with them for their album *Helpless*, <clears throat> *Helplessness Blues*. Okay. Um, I feel
1: like he. I think he had a lot to do with that album. Yes. I feel like he had a big too much to do with that album hmm. that's not my favorite uh Fleet I, like it. Album. I much prefer the first album and and the, the this, sunshine this ep yeah i just feel like he <gasps> brought he brought kind of his negative his negative cynical thing to that uh, album
2: oh really
0: Hmm. i feel like he well i don't know i i disagree but that's okay
1: you have a, we can fight about it later yeah we can fisticuffs at dawn
0: yes as we often do <laughs> um so, yeah, this EP, Sun Giant, was recorded at Bear Creek Studios, oh. which is in Washington.
1: Oh, I thought it was in, by Bear Creek Park in Surrey. Probably not. B.C.
2: No. Um, I was wrong.
0: Yeah. So this, this EP, they made it. They, it was supposed to be a limited release yeah. that they only were going to sell on a tour that they were on. Okay. But because fans um, were very excited about it and really wanted access to it, they officially released it as a, like a full um, EP. Okay. Um. But yeah, originally it was like they were like, "This isn't indicative of our full vision for the band. <laughs> uh-uh. This is just something that we have so that we can like sell when we go on tour." Yeah. But then everyone was like, "We love this. We want access to it everywhere." So yeah. they made it fully. Um. But yes, yeah, so they put out three albums since then right? Fleet yeah. Foxes in 2008, Helplessness Blues in 2011, and then Crack Up in 2017. But um, I was reading a Reddit AMA, yeah. a Reddit Ask Me Anything with Robin Pecknold okay. from, I think, 2016 or 2017. And he said that um, people were asking him, like, what's your favorite song that you have done? On, like, what's your favorite Fleet Foxes song? And he said this song, Mykonos. You said Mykonos is their favorite. Yeah, his favorite uh, of Yeah, I think it's
1: really good. That this song is so good that I was one time picking you up at Trinity Western University, and I heard it playing over the like the sound sound system in the in the university. Oh, okay. And by the way, Trinity Western is like this super heavy duty, really yeah, evangelical very, Christian very school. Like you
0: have to sign a contract that says you are not allowed to dance on campus. <laughs>
1: yeah, or engage in any kind well, of. Well, you, you, like, you can't have premarital sex, but you can have fun.
0: You can have fun. We can't have premarital sex, which I think is expected. Sort of. You, know. you still have
1: to sign a contract saying, saying that.
0: Yeah, but you're not allowed to dance on campus. No,
1: that's because they're uh, Mennonites.
0: Because it, it could potentially lead to sexual activity.
1: Can't go to the movies, can't bowl.
0: You can't be gay. They think they're on that.
1: They're trying to work it out. I think they actually. They, well, the teachers don't have to sign that now, so it's only oh, students okay. have to sign it. But uh, I think they are starting, starting to, trying to get rid of it. Yeah, and I don't even. It, I to be honest, I don't even think it's university so much as it's the people who support the university who are insisting on this sort of stuff.
0: Yeah, yeah. But I mean, anyway, that school has like a lot it's of really like. Beside the point. Um, they black out the genitals in their nursing textbooks
2: too. <laughs> which is like we have issues yeah <laughs> that's what it's called yeah it's called Trinity, we have issues
1: um yeah so i just but i just brought that up just because that song is this it is yeah. so appealing to people that it even played there and uh at, the, at that very very conservative school i just yeah. was kind of amazed to hear it but yeah it's a wonderful song and i love i love that it has those kind of two parts to it where you have the opening part of it which is great and then the final part of the song with the uh the you know do, 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 do. That mm, part of the song, yeah, yep, it's uh rather great.
0: It is. It's fa- it's a very. I think it's a very good song. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I really like. And the so f- does Robin Pecknell. I really like the first those first two things a lot. I hope... Linda's I don't know. I just and I haven't heard the crack up. I guess I should. Uh...
0: I also haven't. I really like Fleet Foxes, but I, um, I think I asked for it for Christmas and then I never got it for
1: Christmas. Oh, the crack up.
0: Yep. Oh, I'm blaming anyone. I'm just blaming the person who buys the for me, which is Dad. <laughs> It's fine. Not well, not blaming anyone. Yeah, I'm just well, saying. Forgot a lot of the stuff. The dad buys the Christmas presents for the family, and mm-hmm. he didn't get it for me, so oh, yeah, it's I his could... fault that I haven't heard it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Yeesh! Some guilt over here. <laughs> she got some really nice
1: presents that year. Everyone gave her, <laughs> gave her a mouse trap, box of crackers.
0: Yeah, some coal.
1: I got I don't give people coal. You were good. <laughs> That's why you got the mouse trap.
0: <laughs> to catch those mice.
1: Well, you can do whatever you want with it. I didn't have any instructions.
0: No, I guess that's true. Although, you know, I probably would still have my finger if it had come with instructions. <laughs> I'm just saying. <laughs>
1: Listen, once again, your carelessness is not my
2: problem. All right. Okay, so... This is something else, we'll have to have fisticuffs like Donna.
0: Yes, although, again, my fisticuffs have less power because of my missing <laughs> finger.
1: Luckily, it was the middle finger, everyone. <laughs>
0: <laughs> does doesn't mean that the fisty cuffs happen less often. <laughs> okay, so um, what's next, my dear? The next song is "Praise You" by Fatboy Slim. Oh my
1: gosh, I can't believe you broke my. Uh... Okay, hold on. Yeah,
0: I'm gonna finish reading this and then I'm gonna say something. Okay. So it's by Fatboy Slim from his 1998 album. You've come a long way, baby. Good album. But. Mm-hmm. When I first made this, I didn't realize that Corner Shop was a remix. Oh, okay. Or that the Corner Shop song was a remix. I see. Um. So in my mind, I was not breaking the rule. Okay. That's, because I was that's unaware. Yeah. Because it just says Corner, Corner Shop. Shop. It You're doesn't right. It doesn't
1: say remix. The remix. By,
2: yeah, you know.
0: Yeah. I like. I didn't even have the the cover for the single. Mm-hmm. You know, the remix cover. I just had yeah. the cover from the album on my on my iTunes. Yeah. So I didn't know. But anyway, let's listen to the song Praise You by Fat Boy Slim from You've Come a Long Way, Baby, from 1998.
1: All right, everyone. Let's give it a listen.
0: That was praise you by Fatboy Slim, A.K.A. Norman Cook,
2: A.K.A. A- Norman Cook,
0: A.K.A. DJ Quentox, the Ox that Rocks. Okay. Um, there's That's actually good. he AKA was A.K.A.
1: Norman Cook, bassist in the House Martins.
0: Yes, yeah, I'm, I have that on here. Oh, okay, good. Um, he actually on Wikipedia, I think there's like a list of a bunch of names that he has, and he won some sort of fake award for being the artist that goes by the most pseudonyms. Okay. Or has released the most right. um music under pseudonyms or something.
1: Hm. The most nom de tunes. Like to the call most
0: them. nom de tunes, yes. Um yeah, it was reported in two thousand eight that he held the Guinness World Record for the most top forty hits under different names.
1: Did he call it a phony award?
0: Yeah, I thought it was, but it's, I guess, Guinness. The Guinness Book of World
1: Records is, is... I thought
0: it was like a phony internet one. It's not
1: phony or internet-y. It's uh, famous. Yeah, no, and, you're uh, right,
0: you're right. I was, I was remembering incorrectly. I mean, it
1: is stupid, but it al- it's also very well-known, in the Guinness yeah. Book of World Records.
0: Um, I'm going to read some of his pseudonyms. Okay. Not all of them. Please. But it's just some. Yeah. Biggie Slims. Okay. Which I think was a prototype for Fatboy Slim. Sh- sure. Or perhaps it's his cousin. <laughs> okay. Um, Cheeky Boy. Chemistry. Right. Chimp. McGarvey, Cook Da Bass, okay. uh, DJ Delight, Drunk Soul Brother, Okay, The Feel Good Factor, Grime Minister, Hot Since 63, Margaret Scratcher, uh. Pierre Burner Down, mm. Son of a Cheeky Boy, Stomping Pond Frogs, and Yum Yum Head Food.
1: Oh, that's good. Wow. So, I guess, well, I guess doing a lot of re- remixes and things like that, he must... It must just make it easier for him to go under various pseudonyms rather than everyone go, oh my gosh, how many remixes does yeah. this guy do?
0: Yes. Yeah, he's also done, He's also pretty prolific. Mm-hmm. He's done a lot. He's been in a lot of groups. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Cook was in a whole bunch of like different bands before going solo. Sure. Including the House Martins. That's where, I first, that's where I first
1: heard him. I didn't realize.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, I he didn't also... realize
1: I was hearing a future remixer, but apparently he was already into the whole like DJ culture. When he joined the House Martins, he was just asked by them to play bass because they didn't know anyone else to ask. And uh, so yeah. he, he just kind of like said, well, sure.
0: Yeah. No, I'm actually, I'm, uh, he started playing in a new wave band when he was in high school. Okay. And then he started DJing while in university. Mm. So he got his Bachelor of Arts degree Okay. from, I think, Brighton University. Sounds fake. Um. He studied English, politica- politics, and sociology. Uh-huh. And while getting his BA, he DJed. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. And then after DJing, he like joined the House Martin. And then after that, he co-founded the group Beats International.
2: Oh
1: yeah. He was in
0: Freak Power. He was in Pizza Man. He was in the Mighty Dub Cats. Okay. Uh, then in 1996, he went solo and adopted the name Fatboy Slim. I see. So when he was DJing in university, he went by DJ Quentox, the ox that rocks, um, because his, what, what is it? His middle name is Quentin or something. Okay. I think, or I don't know. I think that's something. All right. Um. Sorry. Oh yeah. So yeah. Nineteen ninety six. He went solo and adopted the name Fatboy Slim. Okay. Which he says he said he according to him he has made up a lot of reasons for what that name means in the past, but really it doesn't mean anything. Yeah. He says he likes it because it's goofy and ironic, and he likes that it's an oxymoron. Yeah. Um. And says, sort of a
1: joke on like a blues name as well.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He says that it's it's goofy and ironic, like himself. <laughs> Um, I
1: don't think you should describe yourself as ironic. eh. That's the irony.
0: Yeah, I guess so. Um, So this song, this song in particular, Praise You, was off of his second album. Yep. Um, His first one was called Better Living Through Chemistry. Okay, it's pretty, Um, it's it's
1: good, but it's not as good as uh, You've Come a Long Way, Baby.
0: Yeah, and then You've Come a Long Way, Baby was uh, well-received. It has this song on it that did well. It has Rockefeller Skank on it that did well. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, this song in particular was... My only
1: complaint it, about that album is the songs are too long. That's fair. Particularly Rockefeller Skank. Rockefeller Skank is it long. goes on too long.
0: I think I prefer Rockefeller Skank to this song. Oh really? But I think it's too long to put on a mix.
1: I think you're right. I would rather yeah. I would like to do an edit of that song.
0: Yeah, that'd be good.
1: I think I'll do that actually. I to do it right now. Bye everyone.
0: Okay, well we'll just wait here until Dad gets back.
1: <laughs> now that I'm thinking about it, I should do it right now.
0: <laughs> okay. Um Why
1: put off today, which you can do tomorrow.
0: Yeah. No, that's well. Wait, does that this, make any uh, sense? This song was in top 40 charts, like, globally. Yeah. It was number one in the UK. It was number one US dance music. It
1: had a great video as well.
0: Uh, it had a great video as well. Yeah, with which, Spike Jones. Yeah, there's actually kind of a fun story behind that, too. Okay, let's hear where, it. Where um, Spike Jones was originally supposed to do the video for Rockefeller Skank. Okay. But then he wasn't able to, for some reason. Um, So then he went out and did his own video for it, on his own. Uh. Um, and then he sent that to Fatboy Slim. And Fatboy Slim was like, This is awesome. Can you come in and do another video for me for Praise You? And he was like, Yeah, totally. Huh. So um, So if
1: people don't know the the video for Praise You involves a small community dance troupe performing Praise You in front of a movie theater. Uh, and so it's basically a, a put on that the people who are in the video don't know that it's a put on. So they're watching this very inept dance company led by Spike Jones, the director of the video. He's also really involved with the the Jackass uh, movies and the TV show and stuff. Mm. So he's drawing from that kind of uh, performance art, kind of, you know.
0: And isn't it in front of Man's Theater?
1: I'm not too sure what theater it is. Is okay. it in front of Man's Chinese I Theater?
0: I believe I read that.
1: Okay. I, I can... don't know. It looks looks almost too modern to be Man's, but it could be. I, I don't I'm not, no expert on Man's Chinese Theater. But yeah, so they're performing, uh, you know, this uh, in a very, you know, they're all done up in a very, uh, you know, small. Um, small dance troupe kind of amateur dance troupe kind of way with everyone sort of like overdressed for their skill level and it's quite good it's quite a good quite a good little gag and of course none of the people who are seeing this are in on the joke so they're all being tricked which I, i'm not a huge i'm not the biggest fan of that sort of humor but it works it works in this video because it's this is done in a very uh with a good spirit rather than in a kind of mean way
0: no, sorry, I was wrong. It was just outside of a movie theater in Westwood, Los Angeles. Yeah,
1: it's it's, it's a very modern-looking theater. That's what I was that's what I was thinking. Okay. Yeah, so it's just yeah, and it's just people who are just kind of watching them and and can't believe that people would even like be trying to, to dance when they obviously can't, and it's fun. Now, what song is the what's the, okay, so Praise You is a remix of a of a of a song okay. from the nineteen seventies, right?
0: It's not. Oh, okay. But there are so there's um, lots of samples I see. in this song. Okay. So the main sample is from Take Your Praise by oh. Camille Yarbrough. Okay. And she is actually credited as a co writer of this song. Oh, I see. Um, but then there's other um, there's other samples, including one called "Balance and Rehearsal," which is a test album track from the audio electronics company JBL. Hmm. Um, there's uh, I think some guitar bits from "It's a Small World" from Mickey Mouse Disco. Okay. Um, and the theme from Fat Albert and the Cosby Kids. Wow. So let's listen to.
1: I'm, I'm surprised we're I'm surprised we're still allowed to to listen to this album or to this song.
0: Yeah. Right. I mean, I think he just took little bits. Yeah. yeah. Like he just took a guitar bit from It's a Small World. Huh. Right? Um, So I think that maybe that has sort of allowed it to be okay. But I think we should listen to... um, Camille Yarbrough? Particularly the start of Take Your Praise by Camille Yarbrough. Okay. Um, Well, we
1: don't just play half the song. We play a whole song here, Mary. All right. Well, let's hear the whole song then. All right. Let's give it a listen, everyone. We've come a long, long way
6: together. Through the hard times and the good I have to celebrate you, baby I have to praise you like I should You're so rare, so fine i'm feeling with why and how i want to live you're so rare man you're so fine you know You work your way around Ain't a part of me left over That your sweet love ain't found You make my, my bone turn to whisper You make my whisper turn to call You make me scream and scream that I love you
1: so that was uh that
0: was camille yarbro yeah with um
1: take your praise
0: take your praise thank you from
1: 1975
0: yes and um camille yarbro was not very well known
1: yeah i would say still not very well known.
0: no her her most well-known um anything is this song yeah and it's because fat boy slim used it mm-hmm. so she was like a um, an activist, a musician, an actress. She did a lot of experimental theater. Okay. Um. So this album or this song was from an album called The Iron Pot Cooker. Yeah. Which was based off of um like a one woman spoken word show huh. that she had um at the La Mama Experimental Theater Club in the East Village in Manhattan huh. in 1973. Okay. Um. So that show was called Tales and Tunes of an African American Griot. And a grio is um, basically a bard, so it's like an oral um, historian. Sure. Um, yeah.
1: Whenever I hear one woman play all I can think of is gypsies one woman play for Mystery Science Theatre three thousand. Oh yeah. So good. <laughs> Landlord's coming again. Something like that. It's so, so silly.
0: That is a pretty silly show. Yep. Um anyway, sorry, you were gonna say something about the samples? Well,
1: I- it's interesting that when you, well, when you hear samples, especially when you hear musical samples, they're so taken out of context from w- where they are that it's hard to recognize them oh, in totally. the song itself, unless they're using like a fairly significant amount of the sample. Mm-hmm. In most cases, it's just a very sh- bit of, short bit of the riff yeah. that's sampled and then just put on, then it's just repeated over and over again. And so it takes on a completely different, completely different, uh, you know, me, oh, musical meaning, yeah, so totally. it's so hard. You can't, you know, unless it's from a song that you're, like, intimately familiar with, you're mm-hmm. not You're not going to have an easy time.
0: I mean, I think with that Camille Yarbrough one, mm-hmm. I think you can tell. that one, Because but, it is just the very beginning sure, of the song. It, that one's and it's very,
1: yeah, it's used lyrics, a lot of it. Yeah, it used a lot yeah. of it. But, I mean, in that case, who knew who Camille Yarbrough was? Oh, totally, so just, yeah. You know, he's, I mean,
0: really the only reason yeah. people know that it was a sample of her song is because... Um, Norman Cook credited her as a co-writer yeah, on the yeah, song, sure. right?
1: Yeah, and uh, which
0: is probably pretty generous of him, mm-hmm. right? Like, I don't know if that's something that people are expected to do yes. when they sample. Is yeah, it? Yeah, they are credit them as co-writers.
1: Yes, hmm. Yeah, So you'll see like a lot of, I I sort of disagree with it myself. I okay. don't think, uh... I mean, I think it's fair if people do that, but I I think uh, I just think it should just be a, f- a free for all,
0: right? I mean I think that they a creative should... free for all. I don't I mean that people they... can steal the song and just th- but if you're that... repurposing it. Right. I think people should be credited in some way. Mm. I'm not saying they should be credited as co-writers. Yeah. But I think that you should credit samples.
1: Uh, I guess It depends. I mean in that case I, I would agree with you because he's using quite a bit of the song. He's mm-hmm. using the tune and stuff like that. But in terms of like taking a little bit from the Mickey Mouse uh, disco theme or whatever, Yeah,
0: taking a little bit of the guitar. Yeah,
1: like that that kind of stuff like who cares besides the person who played the guitar.
0: But yeah. And like realistically they're just a session musician. Yeah. They don't own the song. They're no. not getting anything from it. They got paid once yeah. for going in yeah. and recording it and then they never got any money for it. That's right. Right? They're not getting royalties off of that. Exactly. Like they don't care. It's just the people some... who care are Disney, I guess. Yeah. But like whatever, who's buying um Mickey Most Disco now or even in nineteen ninety eight? Mm-hmm. It was an album released in nineteen seventy nine. By that point it was nineteen years old. Of course it was. Sorry, I said of course it was. Of course it was, yeah. <laughs> the
1: height of disco,
0: <laughs> but I mean that was it was a, at that point it was a nineteen year old album, you know. It's not like people are people were rushing into the stores in nineteen ninety eight to buy Mickey Mouse Disco.
1: No, and obviously Norman Cook, A.K.A. Fatboy Slim, is a very you know very well. If you look on the the might might I think there's two different covers for "You've Come a Long Way, Baby."
0: There is there's a uh, there's a US one and a UK one.
1: And I prefer the UK. I well, I prefer the one with the records on the, that's on the, the cover. That's the US one. Yeah, that's a better cover to me.
0: Yeah, I I, believe, I agree. so. Or I agree.
1: And I think that's just... I also Partly because I just like looking at people's records. So it makes me really excited that he has all these records. <laughs> and so, of course, I like that. But uh, yeah, he's like a big crate digger, which is something that I used to like to do quite a bit. So um, when I had more, well, more yeah. free time. And
0: I mean, I think that that's a DJ thing too, right? Yeah, I mean, For at, sure. At and that was also
1: like the 90s were the best time to, to be a record freak. Right, because everyone was getting rid of their records for and replacing CDs. them with CDs. Yeah. yeah, so there was like tons of records everywhere that you could get for so cheap. It was hilarious. Yeah, it's not like that now. Like now, the records have come back again. You know, it's much harder to to find and to find cheap records. you mm. know so mm-hmm. it happens. It's occasional, I mean, but
0: if you go around to Valley Village and stuff, it's already the been, records are not,
1: and they're all picked good. through too. They're picked through by the people in the back.
0: Oh yeah. yeah, yeah, that's true. Like the
1: people, it goes through so many different yeah uh, levels of, of right. Because I mean, realistically, over... they
0: probably take them to like places they can sell them to before they take them to Valley Village, you know.
1: Well, not even that. Like the actual work people working there just pick oh, through well, them. Oh, well, that too. And yeah,
0: <laughs> and take them. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I mean, if you go to Valley Village or whatever and look through, you're basically just looking at like soundtracks mm-hmm. and old country. Yeah, and a lot of like there's a... Cher and Madonna. Yeah
1: well that yeah there's polka albums they'll be <laughs> um yeah they'll be because we where we live of course they'll be like german language evangelical choirs or something like that yep, you know like and yep. uh, like Benanite a lot of, stuff, yeah, a lot yeah. of dutch
0: stuff and uh, a lot Chilliwack, of dutch stuff yeah because yeah. Chilliwack. Chilliwack is so dutch that my tiny tiny little um like grocery store in rosedale yeah um has a whole half aisle of dutch food yeah, yeah like you can up at the up at the front counter there's like snickers and kit kats and stroopwafel <laughs> <laughs> i'm like okay
1: <laughs> but you can get salted licorice there too though yum. sure yeah you yum can yum. get
0: all dutch food there it's
1: good good stuff
0: yeah one time i went there and um this family walked out and it was like a dad and three daughters, and they looked like they were walking out of nineteen o eight yeah, they were yeah. the daughters were wearing very obviously homemade dresses with like white bonnets and braids,, wow. and like dresses that were like you know like a, like a a light green that went like down to their elbows and down to their ankles yes. and um had little like white polka dots on it, you know,
1: it's both charming and scary, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah, totally, yep, yeah, and the dad was dressed like. Also, like he was wearing, like you know, I don't know. He looked like such a farmer. Mm-hmm. I was like, man, those people are farmers, huh? Yeah. Also, yeah. definitely man at night.
1: But, but oh, their farms are so wonderful.
0: Oh yeah, so nice. <laughs> so uh...
1: neat as a pin. Yeah,
0: so neat. You can always you can always tell you can always tell a Dutch farm.
1: Mm-hmm. Dutch or German farm, yeah, yeah. So I remember reading um the Alexander's Alexander Solzhenitsyn's first book of his Red Circle whatever it was, the epic was going to be called, but it's about the World War One and uh, there's a scene where the what the Germans did was they lured the Russians into, or the Soviets, I guess they were in the Russians' and the Russians into Germany, mm-hmm. and then they surrounded them from the back and cut off their supplies, and then they did, they did their worst. But as the Russians are being drawn in, they're looking at all these farms, and they're all these spotless, <laughs> whitewashed farms with these carefully manicured manure piles and yeah. stuff and they thought well this is fake this is just for show like no one could possibly really have their farms like this yeah there's really kind of a charming sequence in it i mean because it has nothing to do with the book itself but it's just sort of you know it just sort of highlights the difference between the two nations you know?
0: yeah i mean i think that that's fading a bit mm. i used to work i used to work at a farm um that was owned by a dutch guy okay he was a first gen like he immigrated from Holland? Holland, yeah. yeah. I, was, I was like, not Denmark. What am I What's the word? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> um, Yeah, he immigrated from Holland. And it was like a working farm, right? Like yeah. there was greenhouses and they grew goji berries outside and then they grew peppers year-round in the greenhouses. Okay. And it was not very neat. Okay. It was also a very large-scale operation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. It didn't really have the ability to be neat. They had a bunch of like... Guatemalan workers living on the property, and yeah. they would have people in and out all the time, and trucks coming in, and um. You can still be neat. You yeah. Just, well, just I mean, it was to... it was as neat as it as yeah. it could be. For I'm like sure. An industrial... I'm sure
1: they were kind of they were probably just not they didn't have the will to to do that anymore. Like they just you know what I mean? Like they were kind of winding down, right? Oh yeah. Well there, yeah. So... They were yeah. They had owned yeah. it I
0: think for like 25 years, and they were yeah. They. S- I was laid off because they sold it. Yeah.
1: So. Like where I work, the warehouse I work at, the original manager, the warehouse manager was Dutch. okay. So every Thursday afternoon, everyone had to stop what they're doing mm-hmm. and sweep every corner of the warehouse. Oh, really? They had to sweep the stairs. Yeah. They had to sweep out every corner. They yeah. had to sweep all the aisles. And so it was always as neat as a pin because mm-hmm. every week it was... And so... That mentality is still there, even though this guy is long gone. Yeah. There's still this sense of that we have to, like, make sure everything's put away, everything has to get swept every day. That's nice. You know, so it's, yeah, it's a very neat place to work in, but yeah, it's a, this takes willpower, obviously. Oh, totally. And it depends on your staff and everything else, of course. Oh, for sure. I mean... Your work, your, you know, your work, your whatever you call it, your workplace ethos or whatever. Yeah, yeah, totally. But yeah. Yeah. No, it's interesting. But anyway, it's kind of off the point because we (laughs) were... We yeah. ended up on that topic. I don't know.
0: But anyway, Norman Cook, he had a solo career for Sorry a long everyone. time. So everyone. That was
1: a real
2: uh, real wonder.
0: <laughs> but he had a solo career for a long time. He was in Brighton Port Authority. Yeah. started that with um with someone else. And he sort of went back to doing Fatboy Slim mm-hmm. solo. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's seen as a major contributor to Brighton's hip hop scene. Okay. Which is pretty big. Is it? From my understanding. Okay. Or uh, as big as it could be. I think
1: that's where the GO team are from.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, okay. But yeah, he, like, uh, and he's he's also. Don't quote um,
1: me on that, everyone. I won't. Don't walk around saying, Dave said.
0: Dave said. Dave said the GO team's from Brighton. And so also be like, no, they're not. They're from Manchester. And he'd be like, oh. <laughs>
1: That that damn Dedrick. That
0: damn Dedrick made me look like a fool. <laughs> it's like everyone knows where the Go Team's from except him.
2: <laughs>
0: People are like, what? Who? The A Team? Is that the TV show? What are you talking about?
1: The A Team are from Manchester?
0: <laughs> um, and he also um, helped popularize Big Beat as a genre.
1: I pity the fool who doesn't go to the Hacienda dancing. Okay, go on. That's the A-team in uh That's
0: okay. That's all that Manchester. I have to say about Norman Cook. I'm <laughs> done here. <laughs> <laughs> what was the last part? Sorry. I said he helped popularize Big Beat uh, as a genre. Okay. Um, I
1: thought you meant the record label.
0: No. But I think he's pretty cool. Norman Cook.
1: Oh, that's me. I'm wondering who was clunking away on the mic. It was me. Sorry. You. Um, okay, Mare. What, what is next after uh, Praise You? Um, Mare? Yes, I'm just We've checking. We've come a long, long way, baby. Through the hard times and the rain. And the uh, night. And the night.
0: So the next song.
1: I want to celebrate. Say, I want to. I want to you
0: celebrate be- you, baby. I want to praise I you mean, like I, I
1: should. should. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then he holds it for longer than I can. I did I, it for. Uh, I, I did. I did an Irish version of that, and that's what I did on Sneaky Dragon. Oh yeah. It was, it was lots of fun. That yeah, sounds like Anyway, fun. go on. I had the lyrics in front of me, though, so I could remember the lyrics. Oh, okay. Or yeah, not remember helps. them, but read them. <laughs> I not have to remember them. <laughs> I could
0: remember them from the second, from when they went into <laughs> the my brain. And then they, The brain went That's to my That's as mouth.
1: long as it lasts in yeah. my main, my brain.
0: Okay, so our next song. My mind. Our next song. Yep. Song number nine. Song number, number nuevo. Number nine. Is Until You Came Along Ah. by Golden Smog. Sure. From their 1998 album, Weird Tales.
1: Love that album. Love the song.
0: Let's hear it. Let's hear the song you love so much. Okay. <laughs> Until You Came Along by Golden Smog. From what year?
1: 1998. 1998. Oh, another 1998.
0: I know. There's a lot of... I don't know what it is, because I wasn't looking at years when I made this. Yeah. But I have a lot from the late 90s and the early 2000s. Well,
1: probably because this was like the height of my... Well, not the height of, but this is when I was making a lot of mixtapes that you were in the car to listen to. And so this song was definitely on a mixtape that I made. And so you would have heard it from that. But
0: I don't think I heard this song until high school. Yeah, because well. I think you heard it from Uncut later on.
1: No, no, I got the I have the album. I oh, Found really? the album at a thr- at a thrift store.
0: Oh, okay, I'm wrong. Well, I definitely didn't hear the song. I in bought it because of the cover. It's a good cover. Yeah. It did. You, do you know where it's from?
1: Uh, from a pulp magazine of some kind. I guess. Yeah,
0: from 1933. Okay. The album or the art is done by Margaret someone. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. It's cool, right? Mm-hmm. It's a nice cover. If you well, you should just look it up.
1: Weird Tales. <laughs> Weird Tales from yeah. the Golden Spong.
0: I think it's from an actual c- cover of Weird Tales. Yeah. Like the yeah. the magazine. Yeah.
1: Okay. So um. Oops. Oops. So this was like kind of an Americana yes. or alt country uh,
0: supergroup. So alt country rock supergroup of loosely connected musicians. Yes. So they came together in Minneapolis in 1989. Hmm. So they came together sort of as a reaction to the punk and hardcore scene that was dominating minneapolis at the time minneapolis in the twin cities area sure well husker
1: do is from there so they were a big uh, punk band and then replacement started off as a punk band mm-hmm. as well yeah before both bands kind of switched switched gears and, yeah. and started being more yeah pop rock or pop punk or whatever
0: but yeah so it seems like sort of everything in the area at the time was this like punk hardcore stuff yeah. and yeah so they kind of did a what was that other band who did that like quiet slow thing oh low low yeah 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 that that kind of thing mm-hmm. so yeah they they came together to do alt country rock um so yeah they were sort as sort of like a loose fluid group with like an ever changing membership okay. and they played um covers mainly at okay. local clubs okay so um in nineteen ninety two the band was Dan murphy and dave perner p i r n e r of soul asylum, oh yeah Gary loris and Mark Perelman of the Jayhawks, yep uh, Craig Johnson of Run Westy Run and Chris Mars of The Replacements. Oh. So in 1992, they released a covers EP titled On Golden Smog, um, and Golden Smog is actually it's a reference from a Flintstones episode. Oh really? When? Um, oh okay. Yeah, which it itself was a a reference to the Velvet Fog. Mel me. Yeah, so um, yeah, so I guess Golden Smog was what someone called uh, Fred Flintstone in the episode Hot Lips Hoolahan.
1: Hot Lips Yes. It was
0: huh. an episode of the Flintstone.
1: That's weird, because that was a character from M.A.S.H.
0: It is weird. Huh. Yeah.
1: I wonder if that was accidental or intentional. Or...
0: I couldn't tell you. Weird. I didn't... Uh, I mean, I guess I could have looked up the episode.
1: Yeah. No, that's fine. Don't worry about it. Okay. Um.
0: Um. So... Uh. But yeah, all the... So for this first EP on Golden Smog, yeah, 1992, yeah, all band members were credited under pseudonyms because huh. of contractual obligations I to record labels, yes, right? Yes, yes. So they were credited. Um, I actually want to look this up. They were credited as their, uh, their middle name and the street they grew up on. Oh, cool. That was their. It was their like, name. It was like a
1: Facebook thing. What? What do you mean? Well, one of the Facebook things was like your stripper oh, name yeah. is. Yeah, yeah. You know, totally. This is this in this case your. Your weird, your, um, your membership golden in Golden Smog gold, yeah, pseudonym. Gold, your Golden Smog pseudonym. So is your middle name Andrew Draycott? Good. That's my, that's my. Uh,
0: yeah. So they have.
1: Golden Smog name. What's yours Golden Smog name? Oh, um, yours isn't so great.
0: Margaret Hazel 34th Avenue. So
1: it is. So yeah. Margaret Hazel 34th.
0: <laughs> so theirs are pretty good. Yeah. So there's Anthony James. Okay. Johnny Vincent. Okay. And then it gets better. David Spear hyphen way. Okay. Jarrett Decatur Lane. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Raymond Virginia Circle. Uh-huh. Eddie Garfield Avenue. Yeah. Michael Macklin Drive.
2: Uh.
0: Ah. Um and then the straight, the straight shooter chorus did the background vocals. I see. For um for On Golden Song as well. And yeah, so that one was entirely
1: Which covered. is a which is a bit of a riff on of On Golden Pond, the uh, Henry Fonda Jane Fonda movie.
0: Um oh yeah, okay. Also I stars, guess
1: so. Also stars Catherine Hepburn.
0: Yeah, um, so I knew
1: Mary wouldn't pick that up because she's not nearly as uh, old and uh, rickety as me.
0: True, true. So yeah, so this was five five songs, an yes. EP, and they were all covers. Okay. So there was a cover of a Michelangelo song, a Hair song, a Bad Company song, a Rolling Stones song, and a Thin Lizzy song. Okay. Um, and they were, yeah. Oh, and then the other person on this album who was unlisted was Bill Sullivan. Who was a roadie for Soul Asylum. I see. But he did not want to be credited okay. on the album, so he was not. Huh. Um, but he probably could have been credited just with his real name. Yeah. Because he didn't have any contractual obligations. Sure. Um, but yeah, over the next few years, um, so like between nineteen ninety two and nineteen ninety eight, they added um original they just started adding original songs to their repertoire as opposed to just covers. Yeah. And they added in some new members. Most importantly, Wilco's Jeff Tweedy, sure. who's the front man of Wilco and kind of became the front man of this band as well. Pushy guy. Do, yeah, definitely. Doing a lot of the songwriting and lead vocals and stuff. Mm. Mm. Um, they also added the Honey Dog's Noah Levy, who replaced Mars on Drums. Okay. And then Wilco, or yeah, Jeff Tweedy replaced, oh, it's actually Pinter. Dave Pinter. Okay. Oh, I just spelled it weird, I guess. <laughs> anyway, it was Je- Dave Pinter. That's the word that I was trying to... Okay. I just wrote it incorrectly. Um, but yeah, Wilco replaced Jeff Tweedy and sort of took over for Dan Mur- Murphy and um, Mark Perelman and Gary Loris and kind of pushed them to the side oh. and stepped into the front there. But I think
1: this song is a Gary Loris song.
0: It is a Gary Loris song, and yeah. it's the best song on the album, by yeah. the way. Yes, it is. Um, and then. is.
1: I'm not a huge Jeff Tweedy fan, to be honest oh, with you. Although, okay. I do love... Do... A Ghost is a ghost is a ghost was born or a ghost was born it's called. yeah
0: because we have talked about wilco on here before yeah yeah that um, album's
1: great but yeah. nothing else by them i've ever heard if i ever went oh this is so good yeah is that one album i don't okay. know why it's weird
0: um and then for this album as well yeah. um honey dogs no Le- yeah honey dogs noah levy yeah was replaced by jody stevens of big star oh yeah
1: the bass player so,
0: yeah so the lineup for um, Weird Tales was Dan Murphy of Soul Asylum, okay. Gary Loris and Mark Perlman of the Jayhawks, sure. Craig Johnson of Run Westy Run, Wilco's Jeff Tweedy, and Big Star's Jody Stevens. Cool. So that's a pretty good combination yeah, of people. That's a pretty good combination right? of people. You got Big Star, you got Run Westy Run, mm-hmm. Wilco, Soul Asylum, the Jayhawks. Yeah. It's pretty yeah. nice.
1: Soul Asylum were kind of a grunge band. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I guess this was kind of like a vacation from their normal like kind of loud
0: yeah yeah
1: loud stuff going on
0: yeah um so yeah so in this album weird tales was their third album
2: mm-hmm.
0: um and yeah this one was all original songs no covers yeah and they were finally able to be credited with their real names huh so um so yeah for their their previous album the original songs that they had on there were credited to the writers but I all see. the so it was like written by yeah Jeff. that's Wheat, fine. written by gary loris sure. but sung by jackson mm-hmm. avenue or yeah, Ma- yeah. michael jackson avenue or whatever it yeah, was yeah, yeah. um but yeah so for this album everyone had their real names on it and this song was written by jeff loris hmm. and i think it's a very good song oh yeah it's i great. love this song oh yeah it's really good it's and fantastic it's a
1: good one to sing along with as well it is it definitely yeah, is it's it's fun yeah yeah gary Lewis. i think um well he was married i think he married victoria williams the singer songwriter who then developed parkinson's or something and so he left the music business to go and to be her caretaker
0: oh that's weird really, wow
1: i might be once again the whole go team from brighton this is another example of me remembering something i read right. 15 years ago or more right. you know so uh, just take take whatever i say with that uh, the grain of salt with a grain of salt
0: right so the flintstones episode was actually called hot lips hannigan okay which i don't know if that was like a reference to mash
1: i don't know i don't know i don't know when if it was a flintstones episode
0: yeah i don't know the chronology really i don't know the chronology of the flintstones like i don't either. know if one was a reference to another or yeah. if they were just like separately separately hot lips h something <laughs> hot lips h three syllables or maybe yeah. they're both referencing something else yeah like it's hard to know i don't know myself a lot of those old-timey references i
1: am here. not a flintstones uh, aficionado
0: a fan. oh fan that's
1: or an aficionado yeah. i'm neither
0: I mean, I feel like it would be weird to be an aficionado if you were not a fan.
6: Yes, that would be even like, odder.
0: I'm. I don't like the Flintstones, but I know everything about it. <laughs> Sorry, oh, Hot Lips Hannigan. Yes, that's episode 403. I know it well.
1: 403. That's a lot of shows.
0: I have no idea. <laughs> uh, season four, episode three, not episode 403. Okay. Okay. I don't know if they had four seasons. I don't know anything about the Flintstones. <laughs> I'm also not a very big fan of it, but uh...
1: it's just a sitcom only with sitcom only with car- cartoon characters. Yeah. Yeah. Shrug.
0: Yeah. All right. Most of the jokes are like, look at that animal doing a thing that usually a machine does. Hmm. You know? Look, it's a bird, but it's a record player. Look, it's a dinosaur, but it's, or it's a bird, but it's also a bell. Huh. You know? Cool. That's all the jokes. And
1: then the bird says, eh, it's a living.
0: Eh, it's a living. It does say That's true.
1: All right, Mare. What's all right. next? What's next on the itinerary? Next is... Where are we traveling to next?
0: Next, we are traveling to New York. Specifically, Queens, New York.
1: Queens, New York. Okay. Yes.
0: To talk about All right. Well, do
1: do your Queens, New York accent for me, please.
0: Uh, No. (laughs) I don't know what people (laughs) Queens sound like. Okay. I'm just going to talk normal. Sure. They sound like members of the
1: band Queen.
0: Uh, Aren't they British?
1: Exactly. That's how they sound in Queens, New York. Do they? British people, yes. That
0: doesn't seem right.
1: Mm? Are you
0: telling me that the city Queens is named after the band Queen? Yes.
1: Yes, exactly. I mean, I... They had more than one record. Queen? Queens.
0: Queens or Queen?
1: Well, Queen had more than one record, so the city's called Queens with a reference to them having more than one record.
0: Okay. Anyway, we are going to listen to the song yeah. Red Dragon Tattoo. Okay. By the band Fountains of Wayne. Oh. From their 1999 album Utopia Parkway. All right. Let's hear the song. Let's hear it. dragon tattoo by Fountains of Wayne.
1: Very, very amusing song. It's almost like a novelty song, Mary.
0: It is. It's almost
1: like you chose a novelty song. In fact, I think that song might appear later on for us
0: on, on a novelty an, mix.
1: On a novelty mix, yeah. Well,
0: well, Fountains of Wayne is seen as a novelty band by some.
1: I don't think that's fair, but okay.
0: Um, I'm just saying. Yeah. That some people see it as a novelty band. It's me, a which no- is something that, um, okay. that Chris Collingwood. Yeah. Would disagree Co-founder with? of yeah. Fountains of Wayne did not like.
1: Yeah, I think he's. I think he's right. I don't think there. Are, I think there's a difference between being a band with a sense of humor and being a novelty act. A novelty act is you're attempting to create songs that cash in on a trend or something that's popular. For instance, streaking, or UFOs, or whatever, or Jaws, and you're creating something that cashes in on that trend. That is the novelty. The novelty. Or the song itself is an, something unusual, like, you know, unusually, like, unusually goofy or something like that, right? Right. Like, there's a difference between having a sense of humor. For instance, the Beatles did a song called <clears throat> You Know My Name, Look Up look up My Number, mm-hmm. which features Brian Jones playing saxophone not very well. Okay. Mel Evans digging gravel with a shovel okay. as part of the sound of the song. Nice. Were the Beatles a, a novelty act? Yes. <laughs> Are they rude? I stand corrected.
0: <laughs> okay, sorry. No, they were not a novelty act. They were a band. They were a
1: band. Even though they did a song like Yellow Submarine yep. or Octopus's Garden. Yep. Which have you know kiddie elements. Comical elements. Comical elements, to, uh, comic elements or, yep. or kid elements to them. The the band itself weren't a comedy act. They were a serious band playing serious songs. Mm-hmm. That also had a sense of humor. Oh, totally. So, for instance, a song like "Drive My Car" ends with a punchline. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean the Beatles were a comedy act. It just means right. that they were funny guys who enjoyed putting some jokes into their songs.
0: Yeah, I mean, the you can same... say the same of like the Kinks, sure, Beck, Founds yep. of Wayne,
1: Founds of Wayne, exactly.
0: Even like Sloan.
1: Sloan, yeah, yeah, I mean, lots like of, lots
0: lo- of lots of bands. Yeah,
1: have a sense of humor, and that's fine. So, um, yeah. So, for instance, Mary. Mm-hmm. Red Dragon Tattoo. Pretty simple song. It's basically, it uses like, I'm not even sure what it's called. Uh, When I learned, when I based, when I learned very basic guitar as a a grade eight kid uh, who had no stick to itiveness or follow through, um, I learned to play that, that kind of riff on a guitar, which is basically, you know, two fingers spread, Mm -hmm. spread, you know, one on one fret, one on the next over fret. Okay and then you use your pinky and then you hit the next over fret again so you're going one three six uh, basically and you're just going do 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 so you're going like this strum 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 and you move your pinky onto the other thing so you get strum 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 strum, 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 strum 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 So the music itself is very simple. The song has a nice melody, right but they're almost unrelated to each other in a way. like the song these guys are like power pop writ large, oh yeah, because they've just stripped down a lot of the songs are just stripped down to like the most basic thing you can do. I don't know in your research if you found out that Adam Schlesinger wrote, uh, a song for a movie called That Thing You Do. Yes. And it involved him writing a song for the movie called That Thing You Do. Mm-hmm. And in the movie, the group, The Wonders, spelt uh, O-N-E-D-E-R-S.
0: Okay.
1: Um, the Wonders, because there weren't going to be one-hit wonders, yeah, was, so it's kind of... The movie kind of kind of foretells that. But right. anyhow, uh, it, he had to write the song for the movie, and he had to write a song that was that was A, of its time, mm-hmm. so it's a 60s bass band having okay. a, a hit song, it had to be a pleasant song and it had to be a song that was okay for the audience to hear maybe six times in the movie because they keep playing that song over and over again it's their one hit right and so they play it they learn it they play it they play it at like a you know at a at a local car- you know county fair mm-hmm. they get discovered they go to they go to los angeles they play it there you know so you keep hearing the song over and over again so he had this kind of task of coming up with a song that was simple catchy But also pleasing to listen to over and over again in 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 over a a one-and-a-half-hour movie. But anyhow, what what else about Fountains of Wayne, Mary, now that I've stolen the thunder on that one?
0: Well, uh, okay, so Fountains of Wayne was originally Adam Schlesinger and Chris Collingwood. Okay. So they met in college, Mm. and then they were like, see you later, I'm going to go start my own band. Okay. (laughs) And then... They that they met, and then they came back together. They were walking
2: down the
1: street, and one bumped into the other one and said, hey, you got my chocolate and my peanut butter. Or, you got your chocolate and my peanut butter. Mm-hmm, yes. He said, you exactly. got your your peanut butter and my chocolate.
0: Yes. No, that was exactly what happened. Yeah. So, yeah, Adam Schlesinger started a band called Ivy. Okay. Chris Collingwood started a band called the Mercy Buckets. I haven't Bo- heard of-
1: Those are both terrible names, by the way. I haven't way. heard
0: of either of those bands. But then, in the mid Ivy's mid-90s... okay,
1: but the Mercy Buckets. Okay. I guess it's from Mercy Beaucoup. Oh, okay. People yeah. say it as Mercy Buckets because right. it's hilarious.
0: Yeah, it's funny to mispronounce things. <laughs> anyway, um,
1: there you go, everyone. That's these demanding millennials and their uh, their high level of comedy demands.
0: Yeah, no, don't just mispronounce things and pretend like it's funny
1: because
0: it's not. <laughs> anyway, uh, so then Adam.
1: Well, dear baking powder. I beg your pardon. Anyway, go on. Oh,
0: okay. Oh my god. <laughs> All right. So Schlesinger and Collingwood came back together in the mid '90s. Yes. Uh, to create Fountains of Wayne. So, I'm still oh my god, at you're me. still laughing <laughs> about this. I
2: am. Okay. Go on. So the name, mm-hmm.
0: Founds of Wayne, yep. was suggested by Schlesinger's uh, mother.
1: She has a sense of humor. That's nice.
0: Yeah. After a lawn ornament store in Wayne, New Jersey. Okay. That has since shut down. Aw. So at first, Collingwood hated the name. Oh, really? Somebody came around on it. Which is good, because it's a good name.
1: It is a good name. I think it's good. Yeah.
0: Um, but they had some other names that they were they were thinking about before Founds okay. of Wayne, including right. Woolly Mammoth. I like that name. Um, Are You My Mother? Mm. and three men who, when standing side by side, have a wingspan of over 12 feet, <laughs> which I think is good, but perhaps a little wordy. Yeah,
1: a little wordy. Um, it's good. But I think
0: that that's another sign of their sense of humor. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. that is obviously not a serious That's song. obviously why they're a novelty act. Yes, exactly. They have a funny name that's 100 hundred words long. <laughs> um, so they cut a demo. Yeah. They signed with Atlantic. Nice. Um, And that was their... Yeah, and then they made their first album, Pounds of Wayne. It's a great album. It came out in 1996. It has
1: radiation vibe on it. Radiation Another vibe, song, I rec- very, uh, very song I highly
0: recommend. Very good song. Highly recommend it. Um, and it was after that album that a lot of people started thinking of them as a novelty act, mm. which um, Chris Collingwood did not like very much. So what did
1: he do about that? Did he start punching journalists?
0: No, he uh, for
1: he hired a plane and it sky wrote, "We are not a novelty act." Signed, Sincerely Yours.
2: <laughs> Sincerely <of Wayne." laughs> Yours,
0: Chris Collingwood of Fountains of Wayne. <laughs> yeah, no, that's definitely the way to to get your point across. No, he he wrote more serious songs for uh, Utopia Parkway. Uh, oh, okay, okay. Um, but, yeah, so for Utopia Parkway... There are some
1: good serious songs on Utopia Parkway.
0: Yeah, yeah, so he kind of wanted to be taken seriously as a yeah. serious band, right? Adam
1: Schlesinger said, heck no, I'm going to write Red Dragon Tattoo. Yeah, exactly.
0: No, exactly. <laughs> um, so... For um for Utopia Parkway, they also yeah. brought on a guitarist, yeah, um Jody Porter, okay, and a drummer Brian Young. I see. Um, so they hadn't had either of those for their first album. Hmm. It was just the two of them.
1: Did they bring in session musicians, or did they play the instruments themselves? It was just them. Oh
0: wow, yeah. So, um, they said after they made Utopia Parkway, yeah, they were like, "I thought our first album sounded really good," and then I heard our second album with the other guys, yeah. and I realized that. We sound like a band now, and before we didn't really sound like a band. We kind of just sounded like a couple guys. Yeah,
1: it's hard to... Yeah,
0: Yeah, it's hard to do everything on your own, It's hard to
1: duplicate that kind of band chemistry.
0: Yeah, totally. But it seems like they all got along very well, because Mm. they stayed together for all of their career with the yeah. four of them, yeah. which is great. They was, there wasn't any, like... So they're no, no
1: longer together? As they're about?
0: no longer together, no.
1: But, I mean, um, they didn't really have a lot of success. They had that one song. That, um, yeah, Stacey's Mom. St- Stacey's Mom, yeah, was a big hit.
0: Yeah, in 2003. So, yeah, well, we're going to talk a little bit about that, too. But, it, okay. it, I mean, they did have a bit of a rocky career. Yeah. Well,
1: she's got it going on.
0: Yeah, Yeah, I guess so. Um, anyway.
1: They so, had a rocky career, did they?
0: A little bit, okay. yeah. But we'll, we'll we'll get to that. So, okay. um, Collingwood and such. That was a
1: little bit of... Uh, foreshadowing
0: a little bit yeah but um it was it wasn't within the band it was more with atlantic Mm. like
1: atlantic are a weird label but go on
0: yeah so calling Collingwood and Schlesinger, they share writing credits for all their songs yeah so every song is uh credited to both of them okay so they don't write mostly they don't write their songs together they mainly write separately
1: but they do a lennon lennon and mccartney
0: yeah or like sloan does sort of sure right so they Wanted so they they didn't want to have infighting, yeah. Right? They didn't want it to be like, oh, well, I wrote 15% of the song, so I should get 15% of the royalties for this song, yeah, yeah. Or they didn't want that, right? So they credit all of them to both of them. Okay. Right, and that way they don't have to fight about it. They both get equal everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also wanted the band to have an. To the, they wanted the band to have an identity more than they wanted the individuals within the band to have an. To have identity. Cool. Does that make sense? They more wanted it to be about fountain of Wayne, fountains of Wayne, yeah. not like this is an Adam. This is an Adam song, and this is a like a Chris song. Yeah. Right. Yep. So that's why they do it like that. Cool. Um, so yeah, Utopia Parkway. Um, was their second album. And it's a concept album. Yeah. It's a concept album. Yep. Um. So it's named after a street in Queens, New York. That's why we went to Queens, New York <laughs> at the beginning of this. Yeah. Um. So it's a concept album dealing with life in modern suburbia. I see. So they wanted to have an album that had a thematic story inspired by the surroundings, like the Muswa Hillbillies by the Kinks. Okay. So they said that. Um, they grew up listening to the kinks mm. and with them, you are transported to Britain, right? Like when you listen to the kinks, it's like you are in England. Yeah. Um, like they said, you know, growing up, I had never been there, but listening to the kinks, I felt like I had been there. Mm. And they said, you have to get mature enough to get to a point that you can write about the mundanity or the mundaneness of your own life, mm. which is kind of what the kinks were doing. Yeah. You don't have to be in Kensington. To write about, um, about modern life, like it, you don't have to be somewhere else for modern life to be able to be written about, mm. right? So, um, so yeah, Utopia, so yeah, Utopia Parkway, see, so yeah, Utopia Parkway has songs like, um, Red Dragon Tattoo was about someone who is getting a tattoo to impress a girl. Yeah, the song Denise, which is about a guy who's in love with a, a woman who works at a travel agency and has a car paid for by her father. <laughs> A song called The Valley of Malls, a song called Go Hippie, um, a song called Prom Theme, right? Like, they're very sort of mundane songs yeah. or about mundane subjects, right? Um, but yeah, the other thing was, yeah, Collingwood's um, songwriting contributions were a bit more serious. Like, he wrote Troubled Times, A Fine Day for a Parade, and Amity Gardens. Hmm. He said that he was a little panicky after the first record being perceived as a novelty band. So I was trying to move away from making jokes on this record. That's why my contributions are more dismal, he said. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this album had a couple of really big fan successes. Okay. Right? Like, people really liked Red Dragon Tattoo. People really liked Denise. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it did not sell as well as Atlantic hoped. Uh, um, and so they dropped them. Jerks. Yeah. Which is a bummer for Atlantic, because their next album, they had a big hit yeah. with Stacy's mom. Mm. But yeah, they were dropped in 1999 by Atlantic, and after that, the band broke up for a little bit. Okay. Yeah, Schlesinger went on to write for, he did some soundtracks for some movies, right? Dad mentioned that he did uh, That Thing You Do.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Oh, no, wait, that was actually before. That yeah, was in it, was, it
1: was during the, during. I think oh, okay. it was just kind of starting uh, Fountains of Wayne at the time.
0: Right. Yeah, no, you're right. Okay, sorry. But after that, he co-wrote many of the songs for the Josie and the Pussycats film, and he produced albums for Verve Pipe, David Mead, and They Might Be Giants. He also okay. released a third record with his other band, with Ivy. Um, but meanwhile, Collingwood was having a really hard time with the band being dropped from the label. Um, huh. He said that it was the hardest he'd ever worked on anything in his life. Yeah. He worked on this for four years, and then to just be dropped uh, and to come out of it in debt with nothing to show, Yeah. it uh, just felt like... And yeah, and he was uh, mar- he had been married in 1996 as well, so right when they started the band. Yeah. So he had to go through for all this time, spending time away from her for touring, and then just coming out of it with nothing. He said it was really hard. Um, but he did... Yeah, I don't blame him. Yeah. Yeah, he did f- uh, form in front a, um, a pop country band called Gay Potatoes, <laughs>
2: um,
0: and... Did some solo work. Uh, their guitarist, Jody Porter, worked with his band, The Astrojet. Um, And uh, Brian Young moved to L.A. and did some session work. Okay. Um, And then Founds of Wayne reunited to record a cover of the Kinks' Better Things hmm. for the tribute album, This Is Where I Belong. Okay. So they sort of got back together after that. And then in 2003, they released Welcome Interstate Managers.
1: Another good album.
0: Which is, yeah, I really like Welcome Interstate. I think I like Welcome Interstate Managers more than Utopia Parkway.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but they released that on, in 2003, not with Atlantic. And that album had Stacy's Mom on it. And that's song that song was incredibly popular. It was very well-received. Yeah. You know, it was everywhere. I'm sure you remember in two thousand three or two thousand four or whatever. Sure it was everywhere. It even had um, a video. It had a video? Yeah, we watched that music video in my film class. Oh, okay. As an example of music videos huh. in um in two thousand eight. That's funny. Two thousand seven, I and was did, in grade eight. And you
1: knew the did you know the band through me before you saw it in that situation or did, is that yeah. where you first saw it?
0: I first heard the song Stacy's Mom at my grade seven graduation okay and i told you that i really liked the song yeah and you were like i have this cd you should listen to it <laughs> okay. so i listened to it yeah. all summer okay all right. <laughs> and so i did know the song okay but okay. by the time i saw that music video i was like "Ugh, they have better songs yeah they do. <laughs> <They> so <do. laughs> i was uh pretentious <laughs> at 13 is what i'm trying to say
1: not pretentious just uh
0: opinionated tasteful tasteful well <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, opinionated. Yeah, but anyway, I really like this song. Mm-hmm. I think it's super funny. Yeah, me I too. love the idea. I love the narrator. I love that. Yeah, I love the narrator. I love the idea of someone getting a tattoo to um, to impress a girl. All of it is hilarious. Every line in this song is so funny. When he says like, uh, "You're gonna come a bit closer just to make sure it's not painted on." Yeah, yeah. I love that. I love <laughs> it because like, just. You can just tell how incredulous yeah. the girl is. But the
1: thing is, it is painted on because Red Dragon Tattoo is a is a like something that you have at the fairs, okay. and they do they do transfer tattoos. Oh, okay. So that's the other part of it. It's not actually a real tattoo.
0: But did doesn't he say that he's bringing something for the pain? Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I don't know because I've I've been to like there, there was like a a like a transfer tattoo place. They used to mm-hmm. come to the P called Red Dragon Tattoo. Okay. And so I've always assumed in the song that he's referring to a same the similar thing, right? So I know that he's getting tattooed because
0: I mean he does say that he's doesn't he say he's going to a like a fair to do it? Yeah, he's going to like Coney going, Island. Going to Coney Island, yeah. yeah,
1: yeah. So he's going to the boardwalk there yeah. to to a shop. So it might be a real tattoo place, or it might be.
0: Yeah, I mean this, either way is this funny. red. I <laughs> think that the him getting an actual tattoo is funnier though. <laughs> um, but I think that's a fantastic song.
1: Mm-hmm, yeah, it's really good.
0: Good to sing to good mm-hmm. to clean a toilet too
1: <laughs> the criteria yes. so if anyone's looking for toilet cleaning songs yes this is the perfect is mix the
0: album yes um so let's move on all right to our final song of this side Ooh. which is rock and roll woman
1: rock and roll woman yep
0: by buffalo springfield very good band from their 1967 album buffalo springfield again
1: is it from 1967 that album wow
0: they were only active for two years.
1: No, I know, but I, I always think of them as late sixties. Not, not. I mean, that's so late sixties. Nineteen sixty-six to nineteen sixty-eight. They yeah, were active. Yeah, hmm. they're active and inactive at the same time.
0: <laughs> yes, they sure were. They have a. I have many pages about them in my <laughs> little notebook here. So we are going yeah. to hear a lot about their tumultuous, um, tumultuous past. Well,
1: was, was I like to say that uh, Buffalo Springfield featured two of the biggest assholes and and. In- rock music with steven stills who is young. a complete a complete jerk and then neil young who is another and i know people like neil young and i think he's a very good musician and i love his music and he writes these great heart- heartfelt songs only love can break your heart and and uh you know well after the gold rush is one of my favorite albums of all time and uh but he was an asshole like he is just a opportunistic uh jerk jerk oh yeah he'll yeah. he'll love you today and leave you tomorrow without any problem at all like <laughs> Yeah, he's just a real, and then Stephen Stills is like this real jock, just a jerk, like a, like, like, um, when I'll give you an example. It's not from Buffalo Springfield time, but it's a later example. So after David Crosby got cleaned up when he got off crack cocaine, went Mm -hmm. to jail for a while, got off crack cocaine. Now, Neil Young had said to David Crosby, if you get off crack cocaine, we'll record an album together as Crosby, Stills, Nash and Young. So when Crosby got off the crack, this had to happen. Mm -hmm. So the four of them go to the studio. Who decides he's going to go on a cocaine binge? The whole time they're in the studio, when he's got a mem- when there's a member of the band who's just cleaned up is and it's still... Is it Neil Young? No. Steven, Steven Stills. Stephen Stills. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> it's just real weird jerks. Yeah. Like, it's just so weird how, you know.
0: He's like, he's like hey, check out this power play. Yeah. Const- yeah. But constantly.
1: And it's the, same with, it's the same with Neil Young. Like, you know, in Buffalo Springfield, he's with him for a while. Then he leaves. He tries to get a solo thing happen. It doesn't work out. So he comes back again for a while, you know? And then, yeah. then, he, puts out a, then he leaves him again for good. He puts out a solo album, Neil Young his eponymous first album, uh, it doesn't doesn't do very well. Mm-hmm. So then he joins up with Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and becomes Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young. Yeah. And then luckily for him, he put out Harvest, which is like this big, one of the biggest albums of the 70s. Hmm. And then he became the biggest guy in in, in Crosby, Stills, and Nash, and Young. Mm-hmm. So he went from being like junior member brought in out of pity because right. his career was going nowhere. Yeah. To suddenly he's lording it over everyone else. <laughs> and believe me when I say he lorded it over everyone else. Yeah. He held the rest of those guys hostage for the rest of the 70s. <laughs> if you ever wonder why there's only a few albums, it's Neil Young. Everyone right. else would have been happy to record albums as Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young, but he wouldn't do it. So
0: He was like, we're renaming ourselves to Young, Yeah. Crosby, Stills, Nash.
1: <laughs> it just doesn't really work. It makes it sound like they're not old, which is right. really not the case. <laughs> but anyway... Uh, but
0: anyway, maybe we should listen to Rock and Roll Woman. Let's listen
1: to Rock and Roll Woman, then Mary can tell us all about Buffalo, Buffalo Springfield. I will. And I'll close my big fat mouth.
0: <laughs> that was his dad showing off everything that he knows about Buffalo Springfield. Oh,
1: my gosh. I love the band, though. Here we go. <laughs>
0: All right. Here's Rock and Roll Woman from 1967. <laughs> No! So that was rock and roll, rock and roll woman. Okay. By Buffalo Springfield. Nice. From their album Buffalo Springfield again. Yeah. Continuing.
1: Continuing. So Mary. Yes. How? How did uh, Neil Young and, and Stephen Stills meet?
0: I will tell you. But first off, let me just say that they were a Can- Buffalo Springfield was a Canadian-American rock band that was active from 1966 to 1968. Hmm. Two years. Yep. But a lot's going to happen in that time. So <laughs> okay. um, Young and Stills first met in 1965 in Thunder Bay, Ontario. Oh. So they were both in other bands at the time. Yeah. Touring. And they just happened to meet up there. They continued on in their, their separate bands. Um, but after Stills' band broke up, he moved to the West Coast and worked as a session musician, auditioning for other bands, including the Monkees. Yes, he did. Who he did not get into.
1: Who he now denies that he, he had auditioned for that, but it is a fact that he did audition for the Monkees. Yes. And was not... Some say he wasn't brought in the, as a monkey because his teeth were bad, but that's not really true because you can fix someone's teeth. Right. The reason he didn't become a monkey is that... He was a jerk. Yeah, his personality was too forceful. They already had a musician in Mike Nesmith. Right. They didn't really want another musician. They did. They did bring in Peter Tork, who also was a folky kind of musician, mm. but his personality was much less likely to to want to push himself forward right. over over Mike Nesmith
2: mm-hmm.
1: and the other members. And he, you know, he kind of fell into the the dumb guy role, right. even though he wasn't a dumb person. But yeah. he fell into the dumb guy role quite easily. And they just felt like Stephen Stills wouldn't be a good good match. Stephen Stills came from a wealthy family, mm-hmm. but he spent most of his young life in military school, oh, military okay. academy. Right. So that's where his...
0: I think we've talked about that a little bit before. Yeah.
1: Like when yeah. we we're talking about my theory of the art, art, artistic, sing, you know, musician oh, versus right. the jock musician. Yeah, yeah. Stephen Sills definitely falls into the jock musician mm-hmm. category. You know? I
0: mean, military school, you definitely have to be able to stand up for yourself. Yeah. Right. You have to
1: survive the hazing that you're going to go through yeah. every grade until you mm-hmm. are finally at the very top, you're a senior student. Yeah. Then you get to do the hazing.
0: Yeah. And that definitely, like, that definitely
1: shapes you and
0: shapes you into a bully (laughs) yeah you know like it's not it is not an environment that shapes sensitivity or empathy yeah or the ability to like um be okay with other people having any power yeah right because you grow up and the whole time that you are there you are under the control of people who are using their power against you Yeah. yeah right like you were never given the ability to see that Someone can have power and it can be a, a good thing. Yeah. yeah.
1: Right.
2: Like no, you're always.
0: It's true. true.
1: Yeah. And so yeah, like he. I mean, he's a super talented musician. Oh yeah. Like he can play all the instruments. Mm-hmm. He can just he could do it himself. He has done his own album, Stephen Stills, and one and two, mm-hmm. or just him most mostly just him playing all the instruments. Wow. Keyboards, guitars, drums, everything, and you know, so he's very talented. The problem is, of course, is that he's a control freak. So, as you say, and that's that's a good good. Uh, analysis of why he is you know Mm -hmm. you know that background so anyway go on go on dear
0: um so yeah so he you know auditioned for a bunch of other bands he was working as a session musician um and he was told that there would be work for him if he could get a band together okay which um i think kind of means like we don't want you in our band but if you can find people who can work with you, we can tell that you're talented. Yeah. Find people who can work with you, sure. and then we can get you some work. Yeah. But you can't come in and ruin any of our bands. Yeah.
1: There's a album. I think it was done before Buffalo Springfield called uh, Super Session. Oh, okay. With it was put together by El Cooper, the famous El Cooper of you know you name something in the '60s that you know you know he had a finger in a lot of right. that stuff. You know, like the popularity of the Zombies in America mm. was because of him you know, adding the horns to, uh, you can't always get to what you want for the Rolling Stones, oh, okay. yep. playing the classic organ sound for like a Rolling Stone right. for Bob Dylan. That's all Al Cooper. But also Al Cooper put together this cool idea of like getting like really good musicians together and recording like a session, like kind of a jam session with them. And mm. so Stephen Stills and Michael Mike Bloomfield were brought together oh, okay. for the Super Session. And I think he did that before he did, before he started Buffalo Springfield. Oh,
0: okay.
1: And that's probably another example of that where, you know, because he was in New York at that time. Because yeah, he was working with um, Judy Collins. He he basically was. I don't think he was credited as producer, but he was a, basically the musical director for her one of her albums. I think uh, time time something. Oh, it's I time think it, cop. No, I think it's named after the Sandy Denny song. The time Convention. No, I'm um, no, 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 no. naming sci-fi movies. Sorry. Yes, you were. That's a problem. <laughs> Come on, Time Bandits. That's what it's called. Time Bandits. No, that's another sci-fi movie. <laughs> Shoot, now we've I've, you've just put it on my head entirely. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he put together. He did this album with her, and I'm sure that's how he came in contact with other New York-based musicians. And he okay. did super sessions, and then he headed to L.A. Anyway, I'm sorry, I interrupted again. But
0: this was before. Um, this is before Stephen Sills was was in L.A. Mm, okay. So, oh. um, so after after he was told he, uh, that if he got a band together, yeah. he could um, have some work. He moved to California with Richie. Furry richie Furry yeah who he was in the, they were in the O gogos together okay um in toronto i think or
1: probably a touring group
0: yeah i don't know they were from somewhere yeah. anyway meanwhile neil young so
1: the o gogos was au dash gogo yes because that was like a thing then mm-hmm. like uh like uh what would you say blitzkrieg a go okay, yeah. That's a bad example. Well, yeah, it's know. a
0: pretty bad, pretty bad example there. <laughs> I don't know
1: why that popped into my head, but you know what I mean, right? Yeah, no, I know like, what you Like, uh, you know, Cafe Ogogo or whatever. Yeah. That was like a popular thing because yep. it meant there was go-go dancing in it. Mm. And so then it was like a dance club. Right. So I guess they'd, uh, that was the trendy name of the time. Yes. But also horrible.
0: Yeah. As a name. Yes, it is.
1: Would have been better as the Ogopogos.
0: Yeah, it would have been. Although that's pretty BC uh, pretty Re- specific. Pretty regional. So for everyone who's listening who's not from here... The Ogopogo is um, basically the Loch Ness monster who is said to live in Lake Okanagan. Yes. Or in the Okanagan Lake, which is in um, BC's Okanagan area. Yeah. The sort um, of south
1: south uh, east uh, section of the, the actual desert part, desert region region of uh, BC.
0: Yes. The part that grows very good stone fruit. Oh. And has lots of wineries. That's because true. Of that. yeah. um, but it's near Kelowna, mm-hmm. which is the biggest nearby city. Anyway, um, so meanwhile, Neil Young, his band had also, the band he was in had also broken up.
1: Wait, can I, let me just think if I can remember the name of that band. The Ravens? The, was it, it's a bird though, right?
0: No, 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 we're not there yet. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. So, (laughs) so that was the band. This is a
1: lot. could be long. Okay.
0: I know. So the band that he was in when he met Stephen Still, they broke up. So he was invited by Bruce Palmer to join the Mina Birds.
1: The Mina Birds. Okay, yeah. that's right.
0: So they had an album all set up. They were going to record it. And they it had a for... famous
1: black singer in there. Yeah, group. Yeah, they did.
0: It was a Motown song that they were, they were going to re- record for Motown. Okay. But mm. the band fell apart and the deal, the record deal, fell apart when their singer, Ricky James Matthews, was arrested by the U.S. Navy for being AWOL.
1: Do you know But Rick James later went on to become a Motown artist? Yes, he did. He did. Under a
0: different name, slightly. I think he said three different names.
1: Rick James, yeah. He did, yeah. uh, do, doo do, doo, super, is it called Super Freak?
0: Doo doo oh, doo
1: yeah. do, Yep. Doo, stolen by, uh, that other guy. Mm-hmm. Who wrote that song? Yes. What's, the, what's his name? I don't know. Can't touch this. MC Hammer.
0: Yes, right. <laughs> um, okay, anyway, uh, so after the Minor Birds fell apart. Yeah. Neil Young and Bruce Palmer pawned all of the instruments, Oof. bought a 1953 Pontiac Curse. Which they named? I don't
1: know. Oh, it did have a name.
0: Did it? Yeah. Oh, I didn't see it. But then they drove to L.A. because Neil Young had heard that Stephen Stills was there. Mm. They drove there from Toronto. Yeah. <laughs> because they Not heard he was there. About
1: 3,000 miles? Yeah.
0: And also, they pawned all of the instruments from the Minor Birds. Yeah. They were only two members of the band. I don't know if they pawned everyone's instruments, but yeah. anyway. it sounds
1: like they did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> so, um, after they got to L.A., they searched for him for a week looking in clubs and coffee houses.
2: Yeah.
0: Well, sorry, they searched for him for not quite a week before giving up and deciding to leave for San Francisco. On their way out of LA, they yeah. were stuck in a really bad traffic jam.
2: Yeah.
0: Um, when they were spotted by Stills and Furry, who were driving in the other direction, yes. saw them, pulled like a U.E. and got in behind them, and then they were able to all pull over and reunite. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? That's great. It is great. Um. Yeah. And then... Uh they were the band was filled out by drummer Dewey Martin, who was suggested by Jim Dixon, the birds manager. Okay. Yeah. So that was the whole that was the whole lineup. hmm Um
2: for
1: a while.
0: For a while. For a while, yeah. So they were named Buffalo Springfield. Do you know what they were named after?
1: A
2: tractor.
0: A steamroller. Oh a steamroller. A steamroller okay. <laughs> company. Buffalo Springfield Rollers. Okay. Um so they started out on tour as an opener for the Dillards and for the Birds. Okay um but
1: oh that's interesting so that's how uh, oh no i guess gene clark wouldn't have been in the group at that point maybe he was but that's how he would have known uh dillard and clark yeah dillard and clark
2: hmm.
0: um so then their troubles started pretty quickly <laughs> um bruce palmer was arrested and deported for possession yes during that time uh there's a few different people who filled in for him okay um And during that time, Neil Young decided to leave and pursue other, like do some single stuff, try to work on his own, as dad mentioned. Mm -hmm. Uh, He came back. Neil Young came back. They did some stuff. So did Bruce Palmer come back? Bruce Palmer came back. Okay. And then he was arrested again and deported again. And Uh that time they were like, you know what? We're done with this guy. So he was replaced by Jim Messina at that point.
1: Which is too bad because Bruce Palmer was a really, really good bass player. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Much more sympathetic to like the sound of the band than Jim Messina was. Oh, okay. He was okay, but not, yeah. not a, He's no Bruce Palmer. Um, Bruce Palmer became a teacher.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and yeah. then, uh, not all of them, but Young, um, Furry, Furry, and the
1: problem with I was going to say the problem mm-hmm. for Bruce Palmer was he was from Toronto, which Neil Young wasn't. Neil Young was from Winnipeg, Manitoba. Yeah. So Neil Young was was used to living in a kind of strict place, right? They didn't. Whereas Bruce Palmer was from you know, from Toronto, which was kind of a look-the-other-way city right. in terms of drug use and stuff like that. For, It's, you know, like, for that kind of drug for use, like, for soft For drugs. marijuana, yeah. not for, like, you're not, not going to her do drugs. Yeah, meth, yeah. right? But police would be kind of like, whatever, who cares? Yeah. So he was used to, you know, you could just walk around mm-hmm. smoking a joint or whatever. Yeah. Just like here in Vancouver before oh, yeah. it was legalized. You could still, you know, people would smoke outside all the time, right? Yeah. was my famous expression. It smells like Vancouver if I smoke <laughs> marijuana. So, uh you know, when he went to L.A., he just kind of carried on with that idea that oh, I'm in this big city; it's a sophisticated place. Yeah. He didn't realize he was in like a practically like fascist society at that <laughs> point because everyone, like straight culture, was like so fed up with hippies at this yeah. point that they were just looking for any way to tr- stomp on them. Right. And so yeah, he just walked. He just walked right into the the threshing machine twice. Well, he's not the smartest guy, I guess. Yeah, I don't know how he became not. a teacher.
0: Yeah, right. Um, but yeah, and then uh, not too long after this, uh. Who was it? um I believe it was martin Young Dewey Martin okay. and um furry were arrested after an Eric Clapton gig, okay, for being too loud <laughs> um oh dear. so just a lot of uh a lot going on, yeah, with yeah. this band, and yeah, so they um, yeah, and then uh David Crosby was in for a while replacing Neil young, yes, he um
1: he played with them at monterey,
0: yeah, yeah, so there was there was a lot I mean. They were only a band for two years, and in that time there was multiple arrests. So, so many people who like filled in and came in, and lots of absences, lots of replacements, yeah, lots of yeah. people leaving and coming back, and leaving for good, and then yeah. coming back again. And but they
1: did make some great, great songs. They did make
0: some great songs, including "Rock and Roll Woman," yes, uh, which was written by Stephen Stills.
1: A Can I guess it's about Judy Collins?
0: Oh, I don't know. I didn't. I didn't think it was. Anything.
1: I think all his music at that point was written about Judy oh, Collins. Oh, really? Because also. A song called Sweet, S-U-I-T-E, colon, Judy Blue Eyes, which oh, okay. is also about Judy Collins.
0: That's, that one's pretty obvious. <laughs> <laughs> um, but Stephen Stills, did, he wrote it and he did the lead vocals. Mm-hmm. Um, and a great then, singer,
1: by the way, Stephen Stills. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful but then, voice.
0: According to Wikipedia, yeah. David Crosby is the uncredited co-writer and the disputed backing vocalist. Oh. So this band is full of drama.
1: You know what? I think that's true, though. I think you can hear David Crosby's voice in in the backing vocals in this song. Yeah, for sure.
0: But it has been disputed by Stills, I guess, by well, the band. But he's a big yeah, exactly. Like,
1: but I mean, if you listen to the the vocals, there is the definite to me. You can, I, I would think, yeah, I would, I'm going to go with David Crosby. I don't know, but they're written by David Crosby. That's that's t- entirely different.
0: Co co writer. Yeah, yeah. But Probably. um,
1: I mean, it's possible that he contributed some elements to it, but but you know. Lots of people that like, contributed bits and pieces to Beatles songs as well, and they don't get any credit for it.
0: Yeah, no, it's it's hard to say, and I mean, especially for a uh, band that is so tumultuous. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like it's hard to, yeah, they just they seem like they've always got drama going on. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. then, yeah, I mean, um,
1: if you listen to a Bird song like "Lady Friend," which was written by David Crosby, like you can really hear like a similar kind of a a choral sound that. Um, like the the way that this the the this kind of stacked harmonies that okay. that is in that song it's very reminiscent of rock and roll woman to me as well. Right. Thinking about it. Now I didn't realize that. I didn't know that about David Crosby being being a, a secret singer on yeah, that song.
0: Yeah. Or disputed, but nah. I mean, yeah. Um but yeah, so uh Buffalo Springfield put out three albums. This is yeah. their second one. Yeah. They put out last time around in 1968. I think that was uh,
1: kind of like a a post-mortem like a, a yeah, post, yeah uh,
0: like they were pretty much broken up by there, that point yeah. and, um stills a had posthumous moved... album yeah stills had moved on to um
1: his solo album
0: to uh crosby stills and nash as well
1: not at that point not at that point oh no. okay because stills would still have been in buffalo springfield at that point See, that's the insane part of crosby stills and nash is that two guys who could not get along in another band that was all really good i.e buffalo springfield yeah then you're gonna bring in uh neil young to you know it's just weird but steven stills really likes playing with them it's just they don't get along with each other right. it's a problem but he really likes their guitar mix yeah and i don't blame him you know there's a version i think we should play the version of 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 uh, oh no i'm thinking of bluebird forget it sorry i'm thinking of bluebird there's a version of bluebird it's like a three minute song on the album but there's like a seven minute long version oh okay uh Maybe it's a bit longer than that, but anyway, there's a really long version of it. It's okay, but it's, it's interesting. It was going to come out on an album called Stampede before it became last time around. Um, Buffalo Springfield were planning an album called Stampede, and then when the band fell apart, that album fell apart, and then there it, it, it was a posthumous collection put together by by you know like producers, not by the band itself, to kind of gather together most of the material that was uh, had been recorded. <coughs> Bless you, dear. Okay. Not all of it. Uh, it was. Um, it was uh there's some 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 good stuff was left off of it the other interesting thing about buffalo springfield is when when the ban was first discussed yep the idea was that neil young did not have a commercial voice okay like his voice is you know he he sings in a very kind of very high kind of weedy tenor voice so they they the idea was that he would write the songs and richie would sing his songs
0: Mm. oh okay
1: but pretty soon neil young was like Nah, i don't want to do that he just Mm started singing his own songs which kind of left richie furry out in the cold so he had to start writing his own songs as well and so he wrote his song so when the band broke up neil young went on to his solo career stills went on to form crosby stills and nash and richie furry went on to form poco which he was in for i think three albums and then he left poco yeah and why i don't know because it was his own band
0: yeah because following well they um they were actually the arrest thing was actually Young, Furry, and Messina. Yeah, and that was in April nineteen sixty eight, and then okay. on May fifth nineteen sixty eight. They had a meeting with their producer to arrange their breakup. Huh. So Stills and Furry stayed with Atlantic. Uh Young went to Warner Brothers.
1: Mm. Hmm.
2: Um.
0: And then at that point, Furry and Messina. I think Messina... he went to Reprise, actually. Okay. Ah. Uh, um... Which is a
1: subsidiary of Warner Brothers. Oh, okay,
0: but... okay. Okay. Um. So yeah, and then Furry and Messina compiled various tracks recorded between mid 1967 and early 1968 okay. into last time around. I see. And then uh, Martin formed a new version of Buffalo Springfield in September 1968 called New Buffalo New Buffalo Springfield. Uh, um, which, what a what a drummer! Yeah, um, but there's also there. I mean, in personnel, there's like people listed on here who were in the band in 1966, 1967 who. <laughs> I don't know, Jim Fielder, Ken Forcey, Ken. Ken Coblin. Oh, Ken
1: Forsey was in love.
0: Okay. Uh Ken Coblin, Doug Hastings.
1: Familiar your name, I don't know where Sorry? I don't know where I know that from, but I know this. Ken name. Coblin? No, Hastings.
0: Oh, I don't know. Well, the street.
1: I <laughs> know it's not that.
0: <laughs> oh, but the Squires was the Winnipeg band Oh, that uh, that's, right, that's right, that's right. Before he tried to join the Minor Birds.
1: <laughs> yeah. All right, Mayor. Well that was uh that was fun. Thank you for that. Yeah, you're I welcome. I enjoyed I enjoyed your your choices. I really. Thanks. I mean, you're drawing a lot of stuff from my own my own music collection, of yeah. course. So I'm like, well, I'm going to pat myself in the back here for having such a great taste. But
0: yeah, I mean, um, but I,
1: I like your selection of songs. And thank I enjoyed you. I enjoyed the mix as well.
0: Oh, good. I'm glad. Um, yeah.
1: I think this is a good ending song as well for this okay. side. That's good. I mean, I know it's unintentional, but often mm-hmm. you can naturally put together if you put together a oh, good yeah. mix, you're going to have. You're gonna have the rise and fall of a good album anyway, mm-hmm. you know, yep, like
0: totally. And I mean, oh, I I should mention the songs that are uh ones that I added. Okay. Rock and Roll Woman is one of the songs that I added. Oh,
1: okay, okay. So
0: I added Sleeping on the Blacktop yeah. and Rock and Roll Woman later on. Mm, okay. Um That's a good choice. And I think I added Until You Came Along as well. Oh. Actually. Hmm. That was on a, it was on another playlist of mine. Okay. I moved I see. it over to this one. <laughs> um I think Rock and Roll Woman was too. Wasn't a different... And so it was... You know what? I actually just moved all these over from other... I see. ...playlists. Just because I, I was like... Because mm, I have a, a more chill laundry playlist... Oh, uh, okay. ...that I had because I had to do... I used to do a lot of laundry. Yeah. Sorry, everyone. Because uh, I used to do a lot of laundry. And so that was like a more chill playlist. So I moved over some of my more chill songs to this one. So that we had sort of that rise and fall. Hmm. You know? Huh. But... uh. Yeah, anyway, so we're going to end with this song, and we're going to come back in two weeks with the second half of my um, my playlist, okay. which is titled Working to Work, <laughs> which <laughs> is good. a reference to field music because of yeah. the first song on this album. So, Dad, how can people reach, reach us?
1: Well, Mary, before we do that, I just want to talk, I want to do a little bit of correspondence. <gasps>
0: correspondence yes
1: so of course i want to thank people who uh, have written in to the website and left comments there and those are available to everyone so um please go and check it out uh, at sneakydragon.com you'll find the uh, you'll find our episode posted there and underneath it is an opportunity to leave a comment and uh it's great i love to read them i love to hear what everyone thinks of the songs i'm sure mary's curious to hear what you thought of her mixtape so far i am uh But we got an an email from a listener, and I just want to uh, let everyone know what this one is. This is from Bob, and Bob writes to say, he says, hi, Mary and Dave. Hi, Bob. He says, uh, normally I wait for both sides of the CD before I comment, but I liked episode 21 so much I wanted to chime in. I usually listen in the car driving to or from work. In between the time I listened and the time I comment, I usually forget the details of my thoughts. On that note, episode 19 and 20, the sort of folky theme, I really have no strong memory of them, but I remember enjoying them. Nothing stood out as exceptionally good or bad, but I guess that's what folk music is. That's how, and he says, there's, how's that for insight? Well, I think that's interesting, Bob, but I also think that one, maybe one problem with that CD is that it had no kind of really abrasive song that would cause some divisive, do you know what I mean? Like there was no song on there that kind of, I was like, would kind of split the vote. You know what I mean, mayor Right. So right. everything was very pleasant. And so there's nothing but that-
0: they weren't trying, they weren't um, breaking it boundaries yeah
1: yeah and so i think when you listen to you know most of my mixtapes i always include a couple songs or at least a song that i know will not be loved and i do it for a couple reasons one is i feel like people should love that song and i want them to hear it that's part of it but also i think if you just make a pleasant cd without any sort of challenge then it's sort of unmemorable because there's nothing there's no there's no contrast there to what you're listening to so sometimes you need a song that's kind of slow or long, or weird, that helps to highlight the other songs on that album and makes things more memorable for you, Mm -hmm. you know. Which, speaking of that, Bob goes on to say, Back to 21. Loved it. Nice mixture of songs. Edgy, poppy, new, old. Like I said, great mix. For this, I did remember to write down some notes and have more detailed input. Here it is. And he adds, Oh, I'll just read. his. So he signs off. He says, take care, guys. You keep up with the good work and we'll all keep listening. So thank you, Bob, for that. Now, here's Bob's thoughts on the first side of uh, this. Jeez. Uh,
0: just turn your sound off.
1: I did have it off. I guess cause, Oh, I guess because my phone turned off earlier. Um, people communicating with each other. It's the worst. Has nothing to do with me. Uh, his first thoughts on the song Ain't You by Kleenex is, great song. Definitely has a New York punk sound, even though I guess it's post-punk. Uh, Sleaford Mods, under the plastic NCT, he says, meh. Starts with a potential, but never goes anywhere. Agreed. Which I d- disagree. <laughs> let, me just, let me turn off my sound, as Mary suggested. Suggest I'm being it tormented like by my times. friends. Uh, for Low, what part of me? He says, uh, great. Still trying to understand the whole post-punk label and how this may fit in, but I like the song a lot. Well, hopefully when you heard the second side and I had Young Marble Giants, you could hear the relationship between, that I think kind of uh, works between Low and Young Marble Giants, who would be like the first quote-unquote, slowcore band, even though they fall into the post-punk thing. But post-punk is difficult because it really was just a catch-all phrase to to kind of encompass these sort of bands that sort of arose in the, from the ashes of the punk scene as the punk scene kind of died down a little bit at the end of 76, going into 77. You know, suddenly there was this flood of bands that suddenly appeared of no fixed genre necessarily. You know, they just... They were people who had interests in different sorts of music and had no place to play it. But suddenly there was this open scene that allowed them to kind of come out of nowhere. So you had groups that had, like, funk sounds like Gang of Four or the pop group. You had bands that were, you know, playing um, this sort of uh, edgy kind of music that was related to punk, like Kleenex or – or um, uh, it's not on this side, but would be um, – Essential Logic, stuff like that, that kind of harkens back to the punk sound, but goes in their own kind of direction with it as well. So it really was uh, just a catch-all. And of course, like like we talked, electronica bands like Cabaret Voltaire, Throbbing Gristle, you know, there was bands that fit in all kinds of different categories that would probably be more neatly separated in the 80s. But at this point, there was just just this kind of weird catch-all of, well, these are mostly bands that heard the Sex Pistols and decided to start their own band. Even though they weren't like doing a Sex Pistols thing, they were inspired by the example of the Sex Pistols who were just like, fuck it, do it. And so they're like, yeah, that's a great philosophy. So let's just do it. We'll do our own thing, but we'll follow in the, the footsteps of these bands. And that's basically why it was called post-punk. Anyway, Super Friends, 10 Pounds. I call this more pop-punk, but then again, they don't have a podcast, so I'll defer to your expertise. Whatever you call it, another great song. Really just an excuse to put the song on, Bob, is why it's on there. Uh, XTC, Are You Receiving Me? Another good sampling of '70s punk transforming into '80s new wave. I would definitely agree with with uh, XTC on that point. I think, I think even as a post punk band, they really were because they'd been together for so long. They formed in like the early '70s. I said during the show, you know, their their playing was miles ahead of where anyone else was who was involved in the same scene. Uh, like if you listen to uh, Colin Moulding's bass playing in those songs, it's just so amazing. Ezra Furman, lousy connection. Like what part of me? I don't understand how this fits in with the subgenre, but I like the song. To me, it just kind of has a sound of of a post-punk song. Yeah. Anyway. The Raincoat's In Love. He says, Grating guitar work, unconventional and kind of irritating vocals, but oddly enough, it works. Enough melody and rhythm and structure to create enjoyable chaos, which is something I really like, Bob, is enjoyable chaos. That's the way that a song, if a song has chaos, I'm in.
0: That's why dad liked having kids so much.
1: (laughs) It's true. Uh, Sparks, Metaphor. He says quirky and catchy, I like it a lot.
0: I like that.
1: Pavement, another Grave Car- architecture, says another winner. Field music, luck is a fine thing. Never heard of field music before your show, but I am a fan. Kind of defies labels and categories. Just good music, nice mix of vocals and melodies. Quirkiness and being different works great when there is a level of dis- of displayed talent and a little structure to hold it together. And then he says, then there's the fall. Hit Priest. What a disappointing close to an otherwise great mix. <laughs> Like, under the plastic, starts with possibilities, but goes nowhere. No, actually, it gets worse. Mary was spot on with her comments. You seem enamored with its backstory and try too hard to explain why it is great. The saying goes, if you have to explain the joke, it's not that funny. He says, yeah, it's not about a joke. But as you know, chicks dig, 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 sorry, D-I-G, dig, dig metaphors. So- well, I, I'll admit that The Fall is a is a band that's bound to split a vote, and I'm okay with that. I think that... Uh, that's kind of their charm for me is is the fact that almost anyone i ever played them for turned their noses up at it. So that's that's okay. That's that's part of the fun of liking a band is being being that one nut, you know, with with your uh with your uh
0: you do you do like to be that one nut.
1: <laughs> Thanks, dear. No worries. Um now another comment we got which was on the website but i just want to address it is from Louise. And Louise says in her her comment she says If we're thinking of the same saxophone documentary, at the risk of making anyone feel defensive, I believe it's called The Devil's Horn. I think there's a strong case, a violin case as it were, to be made for the fiddle being the primary devil's instrument in pop culture. People accuse Paganini of selling his soul to the devil to play so well. That's true. Kind of like the same with Robert Johnson. People accused him of selling his soul. At the crossroads to play so well, which is always easier to explain than the fact that he went and like practiced a lot. But anyway.
2: Yeah, I
0: think we talked about that last time about people um, assuming that people of color cannot be good at things unless they (laughs) got help from the devil or from aliens.
4: Yeah.
1: Fiddles are used in a lot of folk dance music. So, of course, anything fun has got to be evil. According to my mother, the accordion was also considered sinful by my Finnish grandmother's family, because dance music was played on it. My grandfather's family owned a music instrument shop for a while, so that would have made him a bad boy in 1920s rural Finland. (laughs) Now this is why I read this. This is She says, I'm curious about how one goes about having a top five modern rock songs featuring the sax. (laughs) It's a good question actually. I don't know if I can explain it. Maybe Dave can explain what are his current sources of finding new music to listen to. Okay, well I, I am a subscriber to two music magazines. Both of them come from England.
0: Uncut and Mojo.
1: That's right. And I've listened, I've read those. I used to read my favorite magazines when I was a teenager was NME, New Music Express. And I would sometimes buy sounds. I never bought Melody Maker for some reason. I was, I was a snob about it. And also Smash Hits was too expensive to buy regularly. But NME was a weekly tabloid, you know, newspaper style music magazine that came out every, every week and, you know, would have the latest Singles reviewed in England and stuff. It had its indie list, and at that time I listened to C I T R, the U B C radio station, because I lived in North Delta on a hill, and all I had between me and C I T R, the radio station U B C, was you know forty miles of flat land, flat farmland, going all the way across Delta into Richmond, into Vancouver, and so I picked up their signal wonderfully well, and so I could listen to their kind of very uh, college rock, you know indie rock kind of inspired. Uh, playlist at that that age so that was you know really big for me when in sometime in the 90s enemy became very uninteresting to me i think because there are a lot of young people who were going to to clubs and were really involved in rave culture and so they started promoting house music but as a non drug-taking kid who lived in in a boring old vancouver where we did not have rave culture at that time um The music just left me cold because, you know, techno music is boring unless you're dancing to it. And I assume, I have never danced to it, but I assume it's more exciting in that that climate rather than sitting in your bedroom listening to it. I did buy, you know, a collection called The Hits of House or something because I'd read so much about it in NME and I was super disappointed with that. But at that time NME had become like the mouthpiece of rave culture and, and that kind of music. So I started becoming... I, so, I stopped reading nme and then i discovered a magazine called q magazine which was produced by one of the greatest music editors in uh, the history of 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 uh, british music? music scene yeah mark ellen uh was one of the founders of this magazine and it was a, a great magazine because it was old and new it would deal like with new bands that were coming out like in the time like wet 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 or whatever you know which I, you know i didn't really wasn't interested in that much but you know i still read the articles and then it would also have like kind of like historical articles as well talking about bands from the past so that was really cool and then mark ellen left q and he started mojo magazine and so then i moved to mojo magazine mojo magazine became my my magazine of choice and i still read Mo- mojo magazine and then uncut started and what was great about uncut is every week uncut would feature every month what did i say every week? every week oh sorry every month uncut would feature a cd on the cover uh with a sample of songs that they really liked, so that was kind of their best of the month, every month. Sometimes there'd be theme ones which were okay, but the monthly ones were great. And a good one would I might like four songs in it. Yeah. If I was lucky, that would be really good. And there's lots and lots of bands I discovered that way. It's been my main my main sort of way of discovering music since then. There are other ways, you know, you can hear it in a movie, you can hear it at a place, you can Yeah. I I discovered Parquet Courts, I was sitting in a bar waiting for a concert to begin. And it's played on the loudspeaker in the in the bar. And I was like, what is this? Put on Shazam and was like, ah, i going to get this album. Hmm. And uh, so, yeah. It's just, you mean
0: Sufjan you you've got from Uncutter Mojo? Yep, Fleet yep. Foxes too, right?
1: I got Sufjan. Yeah. And the thing is, what's weird about Sufjan is I heard him earlier, but it did not catch my ear. Oh, okay. It wasn't until uh, they put a cut from a mic. I think it was from a Peter Buck. There was like three CDs that came out one month. So I had to buy three different magazines. Oh, okay. Three different uncut magazines to get all three of the CDs. Right. One was curated by by Michael Stipe. One was curated by Peter Buck. And one was uh, curated by Mike Mills from R.E.M. And so I think it was either the Mike Mills one. No, no, it was the Peter Buck one had Sufjan on it. And that's mm-hmm. when I first heard uh, Jacksonville. Jacksonville. And that's what made me fall from in love the, with him. From Illinois. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, so that's been sort of my main thing. And also just reading about them. Like Mike Eric Matthews, for instance, I just read about in... Uh, in mojo magazine and and described his music as being orc pop and and i saw and and i saw this picture of the cover of the album and and he's wearing this really smart suit and i was like and it just had this great font it was just like a great design and everything and i was just kind of like well this is at least worth checking out you know and so that was also just reading the reviews and if you know often and often i'll be like what's good about those magazines is they'll give you the genre before the review Mm. so be like it'll be like a little thing like new album from electronica duo i just go right past that
0: right because you know that you're not going to have interest in i'm that. not
1: yeah i'm not int- very interested in electronica so right. that's not going to do it for me so but
0: if it's like folk rock you're yeah like, that's right. oh yeah <laughs> yeah
1: that's exactly right so so i and sometimes i'll read all the reviews but often i'll skip a few because i i don't have the kind of time i used to have for reading right but uh, when i used to work a job where they paid me to read that was really good
0: i mean they didn't pay you to read no no
1: they paid me to read mary
0: I mean, that is how I felt when I worked at the berry stand, too. Yeah. I was like, I'm getting paid to read. (laughs) Remember one day I finished a book, started a book, finished it, started a third book in the day. (laughs) It was uh, not a good day for sales. It's a
1: good job, though. But
0: great for reading. It was a berry stand for a very uh, niche berry. Yeah, yeah um mainly targeted at people who lived an hour away. Uh. <laughs> so, not a lot of customers. Yeah. So
1: um so yeah, so that's basically ha- and now so how how the saxophone thing came around was one thing one thing I'm pretty good at. I'm not going to put myself at beatle level, but I'm pretty good at picking up on kind of trends in music. Hmm. Like I'll notice things because I listen to a lot of different music. And I'll be like, "Oh, that's interesting. This is happening." And so basically it started with the um song by dunyan that we played in that ep- episode act d or how we pronounce it where there's a saxophone near the end of the song and it had a really jazzy sound to it and i was like this is kind of cool like for a long time the sax was like verboten in rock music because it became like this kenny g inspired soft rock garbage right and no one wants that and so uh hearing it kind of a ref- in a refreshed way in this dunyan song i was like oh that's really cool Uncle." am glad- it's cool to hear that and then I started hearing other songs. I heard it in This is the Kid. I heard it in Deer Tick. And I was like, Oh, this is really cool. Like it's really coming back again. So I decided to throw together that, uh, that. In fact, two of those songs I heard on, on, a, I think on an uncut collection, Footsteps and, and the song by, um, I can't remember what it's called now. The song by, uh, Shannon, whatever, Shannon Ray, whatever, whatever it was. So, cause I have still bought that. One of these days I'll get that CD, but, um, the, um, yeah, I heard those songs. I was just like, okay, this is like, this is, I got to comment on this trend. So I put together that top five just to kind of put it out there for everyone. And that's, Just so
0: everyone knows that you're a trend seer. Yeah. Not a trend setter. Just a trend seer. No, no,
1: I wouldn't. I could never set a trend because people would see me. But they, you know, but yeah, just to, you know, just notice things like that. It's just kind of weird. Mm-hmm. Like sometimes you just want to let people know like, hey, this seems to be happening. It's kind of mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. So anyway, so I'm going to do the end of the show now, Mare. Okay. Everyone. As you can see, if you write into us, your 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 uh, email may get read on the air because uh, I like to hear from you. So um, I also like to hear from you. We like to hear from you. Sorry. So you can email us at sneakyd at sneakydragon.com. That will come directly to us, and we'll read your email with with no little amount of glee. Also, as I said before, you can comment on the website sneakydragon.com. You'll find our episodes there, and you can comment on each episode. We also are available. Uh, on the sneaky, D- sneaky, D- sneaky Dragon Facebook page as well as through Twitter at Sneaky underscore Dragon. And also I have my own Twitter account called uh, at Dave Dedrick. You are well, more than welcome to write to me directly there and I will more than likely respond. So there you go, everyone. So uh, you're welcome to come back in two weeks and join us here at the listening party and party goers we're going to say so long for now but we'll see you soon with Mary's Second uh, half of the second, mixtape. Second half. Also,
0: I just want to say mm-hmm. that next time we record, I'm going to be a year older.
1: Oh, yes, that's right. I'm going to be
0: 25. Wow. I know, right?
1: Man, bringing in these little yardsticks to show you how old you're getting is, I don't know how good an idea that is.
0: Because you're, are you saying that it dates us? Dates me. Yes, it does. It's true. <laughs> but I just want to say I'm a quarter of the way to 100.
1: Wow, that's good.
0: Good. Mm-hmm. Where we'll be in one Good luck. Thanks. I hope make it. Well, I don't know about that, but. I do. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Dad.
1: All right, everyone. We will, uh, again, I'm getting a little bit verklempt. Uh, so uh, we're going to be back next time with uh, more music.
0: All right. See you
2: in two weeks. Bye. Bye. Bye.
0: Where do you start the show?